0: Today, we're going to talk about the effectiveness and validity of the practice of manual therapies to help aid in muscle preparation and recovery. Now, most of us probably know a form of manual therapy or SMR, which stands for self-myofascial release, known as foam rolling. Now, foam rolling is so commonplace in every gym nowadays and it's become a generally accepted practice whether it's before physical activity as part of a warm-up or after exercise as a recovery tool. Now, one thing I can say for myself is that it feels good on the muscles, kind of like a self-applied massage. But besides that, does it actually help prepare your muscles for activity and does it help your muscles recover faster? My guest today is going to answer that question definitively once and for all. Welcome to the Fit United radio and podcast, where each episode we aim to bring fresh, relevant, fitness and health related news, content and interviews to help you reach new heights and ultimately become your best and fittest selves. All right guys, in three, two and one, let's go. All right, guys, really excited to introduce you to today's guest. His name is Dr. Benjamin Stevens. He holds a degree in kinesiology from the University of New Brunswick. He is a doctor of chiropractic, which he obtained from the Palmer College of Chiropractic, West Campus in San Jose, California. He is also a teacher, a writer, peer reviewer, and a therapist. He's worked with Olympic and Paralympic medalists and world champions, and taught and consulted with multiple high-level and professional sports teams. Let me name a few here, guys. In the NHL, he's worked with the Nashville Predators, the Montreal Canadiens, Dallas Stars, and Anaheim Ducks. He's also worked with Hockey Canada. And guys, he worked with my favorite NFL team, the Seattle Seahawks. A lot of experience here, guys. I'm super pumped to share this episode with you. I want to say thank you to this episode sponsor, FitTrack. FitTrack is a health app company that is disrupting the health and fitness industry right now. With their smart scale and smart watch, they provide you with personalized information that is essential to helping you achieve your fitness goals. Now, I get it, as a personal trainer, I know a scale can only tell you so much, and just looking at your weight is not the best indicator of your health. But the FitTrack Dara scale is different. Using advanced dual bioimpedance analysis technology, you are able to track 17 metrics that help you get a better understanding of your body's composition. Syncing it with the FitTrack app, the FitTrack Dara Scale tracks measurements such as muscle mass, fat mass, bone mass, even your hydration levels, and you can see your progress over time. The scale even syncs up to Apple Health and Google Fit. Another great feature is that you're able to create multiple users so that you and your family members can share the scale and track your own individual progress. Now, how cool is that? Now, this scale even has infant mode. All right. As your little one grows, you can track and monitor their health as well. My son, Cruz, is now nine months old. And in his first few weeks, he was not gaining the amount of weight as fast as we would have liked. Now, this would have been much easier to track if we had the Fit, track, Dare scale at home. FitTrack also has a wearable smartwatch called the Atria Tracker. It's got everything you need and nothing you don't. As a smartwatch, of course, you can receive call and message notifications, but the Atria Tracker is an all-day wearable that tracks your activity, heart rate, and seven different sport modes depending on the activity you are participating in. Now, you can change music from the watch while you're on a run, you can even use it to take control of your camera and take that all-important selfie. It even monitors your quality of sleep. Now, on top of all of these features, here's the best one. It has a 7-plus day battery life. Now, a week without charging will, will really allow you to track your activity and sleep uninterrupted. Now, having the FitTrack Dare Scale and a Tria smartwatch is like having a 1-2 combo in helping you achieve your health goals. What makes the FitTrack products different than the rest is the impressive quality of the products for such an affordable price point. FitTrack believes in their scale and watch so much that they have a 30-day risk-free trial period. So if you decide FitTrack isn't for you, you can get a full refund, no questions asked. They even cover the scale and watch with an optional lifetime warranty. So that means no worries for you. All right, so how can you get your hands on the FitTrack scale and smartwatch? I'll have a link you can use, which I'll put for you guys in the show notes. Right now, using the link, you can save up to over 60% off the regular price. And if you use the code NEWME20, you can get an extra 20% off. You also get free shipping on your orders for a limited time. Make sure, guys, you take advantage of this sweet deal of over 60% off the Dara scale and a Tria tracker and free shipping. Just click on the link to the FitTrack site in the show notes. Wanted to let you all know about the text community that is steadily growing now, guys. This is the Fit United Podcast VIP. As you know, my goal is to connect all of us on a deeper level through conversations here on the podcast, but also between one another. Once you're part of the VIP, you get access to exclusive content for me as it rolls out, and I'll let you know ahead of everyone else of new episodes coming out. The best part is it's free and you and I can keep in touch directly simply through text. All you have to do is text fitness to 69922. That's it. I've got a super important question for you guys there. So text me now, fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S to 69922. Okay, guys, I'm so ready to dive into this one. Before we do, I want to give a big shout out to Jasmine, who is a podcast listener and member here at Iron Alley Gym for suggesting this topic. By the way, guys, I love hearing what you guys want me to talk about and the guests you want me to interview. So please, please, please slide into my DMs on Instagram at kevingreen.fitness or at fitunited.show and let me know. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Dr. Benjamin St- Stevens. All right, Kevin here on the Fit United podcast. Wanted to welcome Dr. Stevens to the episode. How are you?
1: I'm doing quite well. I'm at home alone drink, drinking a coffee the way I
0: love like. it. And it's uh 3:30 in the afternoon and you're having a coffee. So, that that says to me that it doesn't have, do much for you. It doesn't affect you all that much, hey? Eh? <laughs>
1: No, not a ton. It's more of a comfort drink than anything else. It's just, uh, just got a lot going on.
0: Today that's though. awesome. Um, that's funny because I'm actually in the same boat right now. Um, I've got a nine month old son and so he's taking up a lot of our sleep time and energy. So I know you got kids. Uh, con-
1: <laughs> congratulations on that, man. It changes yeah. a lot of things pretty quick, doesn't it?
0: No, it really does. Yeah. So the cool thing is we can bring him to my gym here and he can kind of hang out with us, which is kind of nice, you know, bring kid to work day every day, pretty much. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Hey, so um, I kind of want to introduce you um, and talk about how uh, we first met um, and uh, you know, how, the, how I came to bring you on to the, the podcast. First of all, I wanted to uh, highlight the quote that you had on your website. I thought that was really cool. As soon as I was doing some research on you, I saw the quote, when you live to the fullness of your life, you lift the collective human experience by Ellie Luna. So what, is that, uh, yeah. what kind of significance does that have to you? And I want to tell you how, what it means to me.
1: <laughs> well, that's, uh, the funny thing is, uh, I see a lot of people that actually put inspirational quotes up in other places when they actually had no idea the context of the quote. Oh. <laughs> uh, so El Luna wrote one of my favorite books, which I'm sitting beside my bookshelf right now, realizing I don't have meaning I lent it out to someone. I don't know oh, okay. it is, there go. um, but she, uh, she wrote this book called the crossroads of should and must. Okay, And uh, essentially, I've reread that book. It's a really easy book Mm -hmm. um, and I've reread it multiple times. And, you know, one of the things that I'm a huge believer of is that um, you should be living to the fullness of your own version of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what to, to me, I think a lot of people seek to inspire others and they seek to do something for others and to impact others. And as a result, they end up putting themselves in last place and they end up becoming kind of miserable and they end up not taking care of their own world. Right. Um, and those usually end up being the people that you would look at and you're not all that inspired by them. And when I read that quote by El Luna, it was just like, I almost stood up and was like, yeah, <laughs> because you know, in my experience, that's yeah. basically it. it. you know, we all love being in the same room as that person. That's, living to the fullness of their own life. And it doesn't matter what that is. It, it could be that they're, they just, you know, you want to be in the same room as people that just love what they're doing. Yeah, even yeah. if you don't love the same stuff as them. And I've been told, you know, repeatedly that people are, you know, jealous of my lifestyle or like, <laughs> Oh, it's like, that sounds like a lot of fun or whatever. And I go, yeah, it is like, i really, I like being me. Right. And to me, like the people in my life that I really appreciate are not the people who, you know, suffer for no good reason. They're not mm-hmm. the people who are 100% altruistic all the time. They're the people who have found their, you know, their niche, the way that they can give back the most and be happy to do it, the way that they can inspire easily, the way they can do all these things. And, right. you know, to me, when you live to the fullness of your own life, you lift the collective human experience. And right. I like being surrounded by people who are living to the fullness of their own life, regardless oh. of their resources, regardless of what, uh, you know, where they are in their life. There's a full version of that. And those are the people I like to be surrounded with.
0: That is so awesome. I actually love how you put that so eloquently. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. I mean, this is one way to start off a damn podcast. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I, and I love that energy. Um, I love exactly what it means to you cause that's exactly what it means to me. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but I'm a group, uh, group fitness coach. I'm obviously a personal trainer and hence me, um, getting the rock blade certification, which we'll get to in a little bit here. Um, but, yep. but that energy that people feel when you walk into a room, um, you can't fake that. Uh, I think people that walk in a room and say, okay, well, I'm just going to turn it up a little bit. Maybe it'll work for some people, but I think the people who are truly intuitive really know that they have this energy about them. And I really, uh, it really resonated to me with me when I saw this, because I actually said to a previous guest who, um, you know, pursued his passions and completely went, you know, a different, path than you know the conventional i said you are a gift to others because you are your authentic self and i was like th- it was this is perfect so when i saw that i was like all right i think him and i are going to get along just fine
1: <laughs> that's a that's a great phrase by yeah. the way you're a gift to others because you're authentic self i completely agree like i would way rather spend time with someone that no one has ever heard of mm. that's never been on a podcast in their life that no one like no one recognized walking down the street but if they're their own authentic version of themselves, it's just, it's, it switches something in them that makes them less afraid, makes them more valuable to those around them. You know, it makes you, it literally is a gift to the world to be your true self.
2: Right. Mm, absolutely. And, but
1: I'll, I'll, I'll say this, there's, there's a, there's a side effect of that, that I think, cause we kind of live in a day and age where everyone talks about authenticity and everyone talks about pursuing your passions. I think I, I've also seen people who, try to label what they currently are and then everything in their life they put through that lens Mm. of just like, Oh, well that's not me or that is me. And they end up actually stagnating as a result, depending on the situation that you get in. And so I think being truly authentic to yourself and really kind of lifting the collective human experience through your own authenticity and fulfilling the full version of yourself also has to come uh, with the other side of the coin and being uncomfortable growth and uncomfortable Mm. introspection and uncomfortable constant Need to improve that, right? And so, with me lifting the collective human experience isn't okay. I am now Dr. Benjamin John Stevens, and I will be this person the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, the the, the the true version of this is I've got to keep becoming more me and become more authentic and yeah. work on myself and become a better human being and become more valuable to those people around me over time. Because I, you know, it's I, I think it's a real danger for some people to to speak really highly on authenticity and being genuine, and it's actually an excuse for for stagnating and just being stubborn.
0: Right. Right. Because I am this person uh, you know, now I, and I'm good kind of thing.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, that's just who I am. No regrets. And I go, dude, if you don't have regrets, you don't have growth. Like you've got to look at certain phases of your life and go, Oh God, that's embarrassing that I <laughs> behaved that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but some people will look back and go, Oh, that was just, you know, I didn't know any better. Or, oh, I, you know, that was just me being authentic or oh, I was just being honest or whatever. And I go, well, you being an honest meant you being a jackass. So I really (laughs) hope that you're not honest with me. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) I love that you just call them out on that that
1: too. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the reality though. I mean, I love people who are super genuine, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, you know, to be perfectly genuine and actually be an inspiration to others and Mm -hmm. be valuable in this world to other human beings. You also have to be really fully aware of the fact that you need to constantly grow and Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you being genuine what you are right now you might be a different person in five years
0: it's absolutely true i think uh, what i'm going to take away from that and i think what i want my listeners to hear is that self-discovery is actually what you're doing for yourself but really in a way you're uh doing that uh, in order to be authentic with others that continuous self-discovery that you do for yourself will eventually uh, grow you as a as a human being which eventually will benefit not just yourself but the people around you right so Uh, Completely. <laughs> All right. So we really um, drilled down on that on that quote. And I love that we were able to converse on that. I want to bring it back to how we <laughs> met because I mean, like I said, I mean, so awesome that we got off to a good start. But we met in Kelowna, which is where you still are now, right? Uh, yes. Still living there, right? Yep, where I'm at. Beauty. Yep. I love Kelowna. I've been there just, I think the one, no, twice, but the one time was when I went there for the Rockblade course that you put on. I actually flew out there. It was in November, I think, and it wasn't a good drive to make it down from the lower mainland. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so went there for the Rockblade uh uh, certification which i now have um and this is actually why uh, i asked you to be a guest on the podcast because a um, member of my gym and a listener of the podcast her name is jasmine she shout out to her by the way but she suggested um that uh, this is a topic that perhaps i should have on here and i was like okay well i know just the guy to to talk with the expertise and knowledge that I can talk about it more, way more intelligently than i ever could so so thank you for being here.
1: <laughs> you're, you're very welcome.
0: Right. Um, so I wanted to ask, your knowledge is very vast, but I want to ask you specifically about the tools that now exist for athletes and active people out there to, to uh, I guess, prepare their bodies for movement. All right. And so these are the tools that I'm just going to list off. And I think people might identify or know what they are. Uh, kinesiology tape. All right. Foam rollers. Mm-hmm vibration mm-hmm. and percussion tools, um, otherwise more popularly known as the Hyperice Hypervolt, I think it's a brand, Trigger Point, Grid Vibe. So there's a couple of them that are out there right now. There's quite a few actually. So these tools yeah. that are very um, common now in the gym setting, I really just wanted to answer definitively, can they actually help performance and recovery? So before, I want you, before you answer that question, I want to give everybody a bit of background as to who you are. All, right. <laughs> All right. Go for it. All right. So um, how did you first decide uh, to pursue a career as a doctor in chiropractic? Uh, let's go back there.
1: Uh, yeah, that was really just pure interest. Okay. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm a believer in pure honesty and, you know, as, as evidenced by a previous discussion here a few seconds mm-hmm. ago, but, um, <laughs> you know, and if, I, if I'm being completely authentic here, and I, I think most people would probably admit this to themselves that are in the medical field in mm-hmm. some way is, they, they wanted to help people that, that would be cool, but mostly they just thought it'd be really interesting and really fun. <laughs> that um, was driving
0: it first essentially, right?
1: Yeah. I mean mm. the vast majority of people who are personal trainers like lifting weights and like going to the gym, the mm-hmm. vast majority of people who are into the medical field find the human body pretty cool. And so I ended up, Uh, I was a personal trainer when I was 16 years old. I uh, started volunteering as a personal trainer to give people orientations and training programs at a YMCA in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Um, and that was because I essentially had just fallen in love with, you know, what the human body was capable of. And I had literally walked into a gym at 13 years old, mostly out of boredom. Um, and, I was just like, holy crap, man, there's people doing insane things in here. I felt like I was in a room, like a weight room full of superhumans. And I was like, oh my God, these people are mutants. This is amazing. Yeah, right. I want to do that. I didn't know average people could do this stuff. I thought it was just in the movies, right? right? And at 13, it just blew my mind. And so I thought it was so cool. And then come 16 years old, I started training people uh, as early, well. Huh? And I just i. Yeah, it is really early. But I mean, at that point, I had been at the gym like six or seven days a week for three years, um, just soaking it up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I was literally, I was reading the books. This was in the early days of like T Nation. Uh, Actually, maybe, maybe my timing's off. But anyway, (laughs) it was, uh, I was just really excited about it. I was literally like buying, buying textbooks that I could find to read about it, you know, like color anatomy books and weightlifting anatomy books and all this kind of stuff. I thought it was so cool. And then after high school, uh, I went to do kind of a uh, like just a bachelor of science degree. And hated it. And it was because I showed up and I was just like, Oh my God, why am I doing calculus and cutting <laughs> open flatworms and learning about rocks? Like, this is the worst. I want to learn about the human body. Right. Um, because I just love the human body yeah. and the study of it. And I think I was just amazed by it. And a lot of it was because, like, Oh, well, you know, you could learn about flatworms, but who the hell cares? But every <laughs> human being on this planet has a body they probably want to know a little bit yeah, about yeah. myself included. And so I ended up taking a year off, not knowing uh, what I was going to do after that first year of university. Mm -hmm. Took a year off, came out here to BC. I lived in New Brunswick at the time, came out here to BC. um, And during my time here, I somehow essentially found out that kinesiology was a thing. I didn't okay. know it was a thing in high school at that point. I kind of went, what? You can mm-hmm. go to university and study nothing but how the human body moves? That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. and Where's so it been all my life? I moved back to, <laughs> pretty much. I was like, no one told me you could study this professionally. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, okay, I want to study the human body, meaning I'm either going to go to medical school or not. Right? Right. And that was kind of all that popped into my mind. And so uh, anyway, I went back to, to UNB, uh, finished a kinesiology degree as a Dean of Lewis Student. I absolutely loved it. And I was literally... You know, besides the few classes, which I wasn't stoked about, I mean, I was really excited to be at university. I loved every minute of it. I That's loved the learning. I got to the end of my degree, my kinesiology degree, and I kind of went, ah, uh, that wasn't enough. There's mm. more. Like, there's so much more. Because I'd end every class having read the textbooks front to back, Jeez. having aced these tests, and still had so many questions. And I'm still going, like, Oh my goodness. There's so much more. Like I just, I need to know this stuff. I need to know why I need to know what there's so much more. And so I kind of went, all right, well, what now? Apparently I still got to keep going to school. So what do I want to (laughs) do? And I looked at a master's degree and I went Oh, in a master's degree. You're literally just learning how to do research for the Mm -hmm. most part with a couple of classes on the side. And I looked at physical therapy school. I looked at medical school. I looked at osteopathy. I looked at, you know, all these different things and even places around the world. And I literally got to chiropractic college and I looked through kind of the standardized curriculum of uh, what you would learn in most modernized countries. And I kind of went, oh, that sounds like my jam right there. Because mm. it was really, really heavy on anatomy, um, really heavy on neurology, um, and really heavy in hands-on work, right? And so I kind of looked at that and I went, ooh, that sounds fun. Interesting. And so like, I went to... I went to chiropractic college because I wanted to go to chiropractic college, not because I wanted to become a chiropractor. Interesting. And because I looked at it and I went like, that looks like it's going to be the funnest four years of my life. Like wow. I'm really excited to go learn all the stuff that you've got to learn to become a chiropractor. And Hey, on the other end, I'm Dr. Ben. So why not? <laughs> yes. Um, and that's literally how I ended up doing it. You know, there's obviously there's a little more detail to it sure, than sure. that, but I ended up as a chiropractor purely because I, I get excited about this stuff. Like because I really enjoy curiosity. It. Yeah, I kind of, it's kind of borderline curiosity, like want to know more Mm -hmm. and borderline, I guess, like feeling a little bit insufficient. Like every once in a while, I would get to the end of like a chapter and go, that wasn't enough. Like there's so much more detail to it. There's entire books written on this. Why don't I know more? Right. And it's, uh, I'm not one of those people that has a problem with taking action by any means, but I remember several times getting to the end of kind of the study of a topic and being like, no, 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 there's way more to it than this. Yeah. I really want to know so much more to be able to do something with it. And uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, no, that's kind of how it ended up, purely, right. purely out of curiosity and excitement for the topic itself.
0: But I find that, that it's so interesting that that's what was driving you, and you'd get to the end of a textbook and you still have questions where you'd think the person writing the textbook would have addressed literally every question that possibly could be asked about the topic, at least specific to whatever it was that you're reading about, but here you are saying, hey, I need to learn more, I need to learn more. So before, uh, instead of us, or before we get too far ahead, but I just want to ask you, are you at a point now where you feel like your curiosity has either peaked or stabilized or are you just as curious now as you were when you first started chiropractic college?
1: Oh, yeah, easily, if not more. um, (laughs) So cool. So it, it just it ends up jumping from parallel stream to parallel stream, right? Yeah. So right now it's, it's like the vast majority of what I'm spending my time and energy on right now is um is concussions, right? Okay. And anyone that studies anything in the in the neurological world will tell you it's a bottomless pit. Um uh, it's literally like you could just be throwing facts in there all day and there's just no end to how much you can learn. And so concussion has become a big passion project for me because of some experiences I've had with it personally and, uh, some clients. And so the curiosity is still there, but there's definitely certain things where I kind of got to the end of not the end, but I kind of got the basic gist of what most people know and how certain things operate. And I kind of got to the end of it and go, all right, I get it. Like right. I, I get it. I understand it. I know the rules of the game. I know the players in the game. I know the field the game is played on. I think I'm good with this. And invariably, I have that feeling for about two days and then 48 hours later, something else pops in my purview <laughs> and I go, Ooh, what about that? <laughs> right. And it, yeah. and it just takes over and literally it can take over for years. That's so the amazing. curiosity I think is a personality trait and it's just that, that personality trait gets to be applied heavily to one very finite area
0: right no I really admire that about you I think um, I wish I had a fraction of the amount of curiosity you have I mean there's a certain level of knowledge that I feel like I need to have but that level of I want to have and just continue learning and learning I think that's amazing so I think now and the next thing I want to bring up is the vast amount of things that you now do for people I mean you have Mm -hmm. your you have your doctor title you are you know in chiropractic but you do a multitude of other things so uh, what are a few of those other things that you do do whether it's in person or virtually uh your speaking engagements can you kind of touch on that a little bit
1: uh yeah i mean i'm i'm notoriously just trying to figure out the best way to take whatever i'm learning at the time and help other people learn it as well or Or help other people use it in some way shape or form because you know honestly like i was at a real danger at a certain time of becoming an academic that never did anything in the room uh because i i love knowledge right and i just i i love and not only do I love the knowledge itself, I love the process. And I'm not saying that to sound cool. Like all the tools that get you knowledge I'm good at. And I love, yeah. like I, I love sitting in a class and listening to people. I love reading. I love studying. And I like, those are all the tools that get you the knowledge or things that I've just fallen in love with over the years. Yeah. So at a certain point I was at a real legitimate danger of becoming a professional knower of things. <laughs> right. And what do I do
0: with all this knowledge now.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's a, that's a big problem. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. so a, A big, uh, because what you don't want is just any more people up in ivory towers making decisions for other people, right? Like I I wanted to be out there giving out this information, using this information, wrestling with it to see how true it was in the real world and and trying to apply it. So anyway, the, the short version of the the whole thing being, I I ended up teaching as a big part of what I do Mm -hmm. because I know that most people that show up to courses and most people that read books, they're looking for solutions and they're looking to actually have usable information. Right. Not that many human beings read or learn just for reading or for learning's sake. Most so you're saying not no
0: most stuff. people are like you? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. And and then, you know, whether it's for better or worse, a lot of people are really good at living in the real world, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. They're good at going, I want to take this information and apply it in my life. Right. And so, uh, teaching is a big part of what I do. So I teach, uh, probably 15 to 20 seminars a year in some way, shape, or form.
2: Um,
1: I don't teach for, I don't teach for rock tape anymore, but it just, that got easily replaced by a bunch of other things. Um, but I started teaching, uh, nine, how old am I? Yeah, nine years ago. <laughs> um, I started teaching nine years ago for Rock Tape. Um I'm going to be teaching uh, blood flow restriction therapy courses. Right. Uh, I've taught a lot of training courses, therapy courses, um, all sorts of different things. And, I, and honestly, I want to teach the rest of my life. And a lot of that's because I, I, I know that I'm one of those people that enjoys knowledge. Yeah. And I know a lot of other people don't necessarily enjoy the process of getting knowledge and, but I also know I enjoy teaching. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of going, you know what, there's a knowledge over here that most people aren't going out of their way to go find because they don't have the time, they don't have the desire or they don't like the tools that gets in there. I enjoy those tools and I enjoy telling people the outcomes. Like, and I think people that really enjoy the, the knowledge enjoy the learning and are really good at it. I think they kind of have, you know, a, a responsibility in a way to go teach. Yeah. And one thing I try to tell a lot of people is like, if you know more than everyone else in your world, your responsibility is to teach them. Right. Right. And it's also your responsibility to go find a different world eventually because you don't want to end up being big fish, small pond. But anyway.
0: For sure. sure. And I think. uh, Sorry. Go go ahead. ahead. No, no. Go ahead.
1: So teaching is a big part of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I had the time to teach more and to write more because I enjoy Mm -hmm. writing and I enjoy teaching. If I could do two things for the rest of my life that I would enjoy the most professionally, it would probably be those. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to be the guy that does nothing but write and teach and I never get my, <laughs> my hands on real people in real right. life. Right? right. Right. So I work, uh, I work three days a week, uh, in a clinic in Kelowna called kinetic evolution. I focus heavily on concussions right now. Um, but I do kind of a wide array of things. The vast majority of people that find me find me through a referral from another healthcare practitioner in some way, but it's, right. it's, it's all over the map a big part of what I do is, is focus on just people go I'm here I want to get there and I lay the roadmap for them and then tell them how to get there that's,
0: that's amazing the that's sense. amazing I think that's what I was going to say earlier was that um, for people who have a vast amount of knowledge that doesn't necessarily translate in your ability to teach or uh, impart that knowledge on other people and that's one thing that yep. I think stood out to me when I went to my Rockblade course with you was that uh I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, a one day course, but to distill that amount of information all into, you know, a few hours in a day, plus that practical piece of it, um, and to have a full understanding would takes, takes a lot of either, well, a combination of passion for the topic and the subject matter, but also the ability to also teach the, the, the information to people. So that's what stood out to me when I went to the Rockblade course, just so you know. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. And and you know what? I mean, so the other, one of the other things I do is I run an education business called Somatic Tenses Education. Mm -hmm. So we're one of the biggest providers of continuing ed across the country here in Canada. And, um, so I have the distinct uh, pleasure of getting to learn from a lot of people who are really good educators, right? And I get to pick who I learn from and I literally fly them in from around the world and I sit in the front row and learn from them and then I just let other people attend. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) right. Basically the business. Um, and I, and I, and I love that. Um, but one of the things that I, I've seen over and over again is that you can, you can know your topic matter inside and out, and you can even be able to teach your topic matter inside and out. But what you actually do with your clients in the real world is what lends kind of this subtle subjective Air of uh, air of authority, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you can talk about this patient I did this with, this client I did that with, this person I did that with. It kind of lends context to the whole thing. It's right. the glue that puts the whole thing together, and it doesn't even have to be that you have formalized case studies ready for teaching. But when you can actually talk about the real world examples that you see or the real world examples that happen often, and you can relate to people in the crowd. It, it's not just that you're standing up there making sure people know facts. You're making sure pe- people understand the context mm-hmm. that all these facts fit into, right? the framework. And that's actually really important to me. Uh, and like I said, I was at a real risk of just becoming a professional <laughs> knower of things. Um, and cause I love knowing things and I love telling people things and I love getting excited about
0: things. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh,
1: but you know, the real world is that I need to have people on helping with this because for one thing, it allows me to, to to use what I know for, you know, for good. But it also allows me to go teach other people the realities of it. Because Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between reading a textbook and taking the stuff in that textbook, applying it to your clients, seeing how it works, and then go teaching people about the whole experience.
0: Yeah, totally, absolutely. And I wanna really pick your brain about one specific uh, uh, piece of knowledge that you have, and that is with these uh, manual therapy tools. So before we get there, yeah. I just wanna ask you what your background is in sports. You kinda alluded to earlier that you have some uh, experience with concussions personally. I know I do mm-hmm. as well, because not that I was ever diagnosed or had, you know, was told that I had concussions, but I played football all my life. and. And naturally, um, that sport has a lot of impact. And I was one of the hardest hitters. I was a DB and, you know, all that stuff. So I inflicted the hits. So what kind of sports did you play? Yeah, and, and honestly, I loved it. I loved it. But we never, there was no yep. focus at the time. This was quite a few years ago now. But there was no focus at the time on the um, consequences of perhaps having concussions multiple times. So could you? T- uh, what's what kind of background do you have in sports? Uh,
1: so hockey is a big one. Uh, I played hockey until I was uh, twenty. 25 26 twenty-five, twenty-six—that kind of range. I started okay. when I was four years old, so I played two decades of hockey. Right. Um, I, you know, was never amazing at it by any means. <laughs> so I, I was never under the illusion I was going to be in the NHL. But I was a kid growing up in Atlantic Canada. What else are you going to do?
0: Play hockey, right?
1: Um, so I played a lot of hockey. Right? I played, you know, played it on ponds, played it on lakes, played it in rinks, played every version of it I possibly could. And then the summer I played street hockey. Yep. Um, that's pretty well what I did. Um, and then I, I dabbled in every other sport. I played a couple seasons of seasons, uh, you know, varsity basketball. Uh, I played triple A baseball. I hated every second of it. Um, <laughs> I, I played soccer, played a lot of badminton, um, you know, just a little bit of volleyball, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of dabbled a little bit here and there and all the other ones. And then soccer or sorry, uh, hockey is the one that carries, And then when I was about 13, I started snowboarding and that one very much caught my attention. Um, so I still snowboard to this day. It's the one thing I still do to this day and do a lot of, and then I dabbled in a lot of other stuff as well. So right. um, I dabbled in, uh, actually, I shouldn't even say dabbled. I, I did a lot of breakdancing. <laughs>
0: really? Time. Oh, man. Yeah. How come I've never seen any so, videos on your on your Instagram that you I <laughs>
1: Don't do it anymore. <laughs> as well. um, so I did a lot of breakdancing. I actually did some swing dancing with my wife. Wow, that's cool. Um, I, I, I was one of those dudes that just, I did parkour for a while. Uh, broke both my feet in the same Jeez. day on that one. Decided to call it quits. Nice. How long yeah, ago was I kind that? of just dabbled in everything. Uh, probably about fifteen years ago. Okay, okay, a few like years that. now.
0: A few years now. Well, so you, you yeah. obviously have this vast array of sports and uh, experience in just movement. Now, would you say because yeah. you had all these different experiences in movement growing up, did that play a part at all in you being so curious with the body? Whether it was an injury that you had, you're like, shoot, I wish I knew what this was about. Or was that what drove your curiosity? Would you say, or was it something else?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, I felt like I was driving, uh, driving really cool cars and I had never looked under the hood. Um, mm. it, it, quite, quite frankly. Right. right. And I'm That's just so like, true. you know, what makes, what, what makes a, you know, a driver good, what makes a car better? What makes this, that, and the other thing. Right. right. And I mean, I, I had a million injuries, but to be entirely honest, that, that really wasn't what drove me to to what I did. Um, the injuries were kind of like, yeah, it is, but a flesh wound. I'll forget about it later. (laughs) Right. Um, not worried about those, um, you know, which was kind of stupid, but at the same time, uh, it didn't, the the injuries didn't really drive me to it nearly as much as the, the performance aspect and just the, the, I mean the, the entirety of our human experience, is experienced through our body, mm-hmm. right? It's experienced Absolutely. through our sense of touch, through our sense of vision, through our nervous system. Um, we experience the entire world through this body. So to understand, understand a little bit more about the thing doing the experiencing and the thing doing the producing, I, you know, I just I felt driven to it, right? Right, right? And so even still to this day, like I'm just I'm a dork. I go down <laughs> rabbit holes for hours on end on PubMed, just finding the most nuanced, stupid research about. How, you know, just like, so an example from earlier this week, like how human locomotion affects the vestibular system and it changes the gain into the human vestibular system. Right. And I'm looking at this going, oh, that's amazing. I should be using a little bit more of this for concussion rehab. And all this yeah. means I should probably go in for a run more often when I'm experiencing these symptoms and all this kind of stuff. Oh, wow. And a lot of it, I just, I, I, I find it cool. And I'm one of those people that I could watch people move all day. And I'm like a kid on the edge of their seat. Right. Like I could watch a hockey game and I'd just be like, this is amazing. You know, like I don't care who the players are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like totally. I'm not, sports, I'm not a sports fan, but I'm a fan of sports.
0: Right. 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 Like
1: I, I, I'm just like, I have no idea who the hell's on the ice. I've never heard of any of dudes. But look at this. This is so cool. Yeah. You
0: right? know, that's actually really interesting. And, you put it in that in that way, because when I watch football, again, because that was my sport, but I watch it as a sport rather than uh, I know this player, that player, this player and that player. And I know their stats. I watch it because of the movement, yeah. the strategy, and all that stuff. And I'm kind of hearing that yeah. you kind of experience sports in that way now as a viewer.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's funny because I mean, there's a lot of sports that uh, that humans love that they have no understanding of because mm. they've never been involved in it. Like mm-hmm. take, take the UFC for example. <laughs> it's like the average person has not been in an altercation that looks at all like a UFC. <laughs> like like. A The average person, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The average person has not tried to throw a Ronda Rousey armbar on anyone else ever. And yet we love it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Partially because of the partially because of the violence and most right. of us having you know suppressed violent urges. But <laughs> a lot of us look at it and we just like we're on the edge of our seat. No one like not mm-hmm. no one, but very few people are going to have a really cool fight going on on a TV in the room and be able to hold the conversation with another human being. Right. They are into it. They engaged. are watching
2: it. Absolutely. Right?
1: They are so engaged. And I think that, um, you know, regardless of what sport you play, there are certain kinds of movement that people go, Oh wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And most of them are, in, in my opinion, anyway, it's either something that you play or it's stuff that allows for a degree of artistic uh, expression so mm-hmm. watching breakdancers, watching like professional skiers or snowboarders like there's a reason that snowboarding halfpipe is like one of the most viewed winter olympic sports outside of hockey and like who do you know that's ever done a backflip on a snowboard in a half right <laughs> so yeah, right.
0: People, nobody like i mean nobody.
1: I, I have right but, like i have because it's my sport but i watch it and there's such this insane power of movement you're like how the hell did sean white just do four flips with three turns and land on his feet right. and not be dizzy. This it's doesn't wild. make sense. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely wild. But I think it's there's this insane appreciation for human movement that everybody has built in I just have the, the distinct dysfunction of understanding more about it. So mm. I'm even more thrilled by it.
0: Right. Cause now you can apply the knowledge to the curiosity of that movement or whatever you see. Um, that's yeah, actually, I, I feel like
1: sometimes like I'm a photographer that appreciates good photography, mm, mm-hmm. right? Where you see someone else's photo and you go, damn, that's nice.
0: Right. 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 That's good.
1: Well done. And I feel like even if I've never played the sport, I can watch football and I can go, Whoa, that was amazing. Even right. though I have no idea The name of this person, I have no idea what you'd even call the maneuvers that they're doing, but I can watch it and go amazing right. that's awesome
0: because your lens is just that's your lens and i think right and that's where exactly. you're right it's a yeah. very first person experiential movement f- f- type lens um and that actually yep. leads me to the, to the next thing i want to ask you um so i'm not sure how far down in your social media this was but i remember perhaps i don't know maybe months or, or a couple years ago but you said you dabbled in a bunch of things but uh you were doing some olympic lifts if i remember is that is that yep. still something that you do and practice or teach uh and
1: not a ton this very moment, okay. um, but I, I, I always go back to it. Right. I did right. a lot of it for about 10 years. Okay. Um, I don't do a ton of it right now, and a lot of that's because I'm, I'm taking this period of my life to essentially rewind and deal with all the stupid shit I did to my body in the last few years, right? So I'm, I'm literally just like lining up surgery after surgery. Oh my gosh. Should probably get get a hip fixed. Should probably get that dealt with. Should probably get all these like, you know, lingering concussion stuff dealt with. So for the most part, I mean, no, I honestly, I don't do a ton of the stuff that I've done in previous years right now. Um, And then that's just purely because I'm trying to I'm not going to call decrease risk, but I'm trying to decrease my exposures to things that have previously bothered me a little bit just to try to kind of make forward progress. And I've I've committed this year to that premise.
0: Okay. And, and the reason I asked that actually is because I know, and I guess you, we kind of just talked about it was you've done so many different types of exercise, different types of activities, sports and things. Um, you're always branching yeah. out and trying different forms of exercise. So, um, if you could boil it down to its simplest form, knowing all that you know about movement, if you could subscribe to one genre or type of exercise for overall health, again, simplifying it down to just one type of thing, can you do that? And what would that be if you could? What do you think?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When it comes <laughs> down to it, I yeah. think, uh, and this, this might sound like a cop-out answer, but mm. um, what, whatever you're excited to do, just mm. do that a lot. Gotcha. Right, do that a lot, do it well, do it hard, right? Mm. And that's that's kind of the basics. So, I mean, to me, like it's, you know, we go through these mental exercises a lot of the time of like the what-if exercises.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and, I,
1: and I'm cool with that. And if you had to pick one exercise, it would be this. If you had to pick one type of movement, it would be that. But if I had to pick as a matter of, you're gonna, you know, tell me I have to pick one. I would say <laughs> body weight movement.
0: Body weight movement. right? It would okay. just be
1: like, just get really good at using your own body because you're taking it with you everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. You have built-in weights. Like uh, I weigh 180-ish pounds or something like that. I now have 180 pounds of resistance, but I can right. use <laughs> exactly. in some way, shape, or form, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so with most people, I just say get really good at all the basic human movements that you can do uh, that involves you moving either across an area or within an area and that's basically it. So I mean moving across an area is like can you can you jump there run there sprint there crawl there and then moving within an area is can you squat there can you deadlift there right. can you do push up there can you do sit up there can you do all that kind of stuff. And right. in its most basic sense you know we call that calisthenics for the most part. Right. Right? But I think everyone should be able to kind of move their own body under their own
2: resistance.
1: Um, with, you know, with relative ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it, and you know what? I think it's healthier in the long term. Or yeah. well, not healthier. I shouldn't say that. But I think it's more accessible to most people. And I right. think, uh, you know, so I'd probably pick calisthenics. You okay. know, I don't, like, you don't need, uh, you don't need resistance to dance. You don't need resistance to That's do pushups. True. You don't need it to do bear crawls, all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's the cheapest, it's the most accessible and it's the easiest to
0: do. Well, it's funny that you, am not funny, but it's interesting that you say it and I completely appreciate it because the first thing that I thought about when I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to get in shape now. Cause there was a period in my life where I wasn't, uh, in the, the healthiest. Um, and the first yep. thing I wanted to do and what do you think the first thing I'm going to go do? get a gym <laughs> membership right get a gym membership and what's say, in the gym
1: walk into a gym exactly. get a giant complex uh, complex plan and
0: play absolutely and that's what everyone resorts to i'm going to open up my phone pull up youtube and okay what are the coolest exercises that i could do right now so i think yeah. i think the fact that here you are saying you need to be able to move your body well before you put any amount of other load on it uh really should speak mm. to a lot of people and i think even as a personal trainer i should probably take a bit of that same advice is that when i program for, for clients who are completely sedentary or just learning to really move again for the first time really get their body moving without anything else really get get a handle of that and then you can introduce even a trx as a tool right again still using body weight but now applying another tool to assist or challenge right or to progress so
1: Yeah. And you know what? I think, like I said, most people should probably do what they want to do significantly Mm. more than they should do what they think is the best thing to do. Right, right. Um, and and that's the reality is, I mean, a a few years ago, I essentially decided to give up going to the gym full time and Mm. not because there's anything wrong with the gym. The gym is like my temple. Like I go there to feel better (laughs) just as much as I do to get fit. Mm -hmm. Um, but a few years ago I was just like, you know what? Like instead of beating myself up, when I suck at going to the gym during snowboard season, yeah. I'm just going to snowboard more and be stoked, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And be, be happy with two days a week of weightlifting and right. three days a week of snowboarding. It's like, yeah. who in the world wouldn't be happy with three days a week of snowboarding if that's one of their favorite hobbies? Yeah. And absolutely. then in the summer, it's kind of like, instead of beating myself up about not getting to the gym, why don't I just be happy that I can go outside? And yeah. so I go to the beach three days a week and I bring my kettlebells with me. Mm. And I start messing around throwing kettlebells all over the place, right? And so for me, like fitness and movement in general has become so much more exploratory and so much more rewarding for the process rather than rewarding for the outcome. Yeah. Like yeah. There, was a, there was a time when I cared if I deadlifted over 400 pounds. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, if I, if I could still deadlift 400 pounds by the time I'm 30, 40, 50, whatever, I'll be yeah, happy. And yeah. now I'm like, who gives two shit? <laughs> it's just like, if I could deadlift my own body weight, which I could easily do or double, Right. it's just kind of like, who cares, man? Like, go to the beach, have fun. Like, right. let your freaking gut hang out if you need yeah, to. Like, yeah, awesome yeah, totally. around, right? Like, <laughs> that is it's just, awesome. It's I have way more fun doing that now. And it mm-hmm. used to be really stringent, right? Like, it used to be more like, no, oh, I can't miss a day at the gym. Or like, oh, no, I didn't have my post-workout protein shake or blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 right? And you beat yourself and up over just, this like, whole- thing, yeah. Just being and the fitness yeah. industry is pretty rampant with that. You Absolutely. beat yourself up over stupid shit that yeah. you see people on YouTube doing, and then you're like, wait, I actually really enjoy going to the beach with and picking up logs and throwing them I think I'll do that today rather than try to max out my deadlift
0: (laughs) so go do it right that's exactly what you're saying go do it if you feel like that's what you know is exciting for you and it's fun absolutely I think that's Mm -hmm. I I love that I love that perspective obviously I'm not sure if you know but Iron Alley the gym that uh, myself and uh, my wife and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law we are are co-partners in this but we're a powerlifting gym and so um, same thing right everyone comes in here with a specific goal but the good thing is um, we want when we opened this we were kind of the anti-style mission we're like okay well we know what it's like to be in a commercial gym um we're not gonna just yes. pigeonhole ourselves into four or three lifts squat bench deadlift we're gonna you know we're open yep. to all types of movement and i think that's what really has uh, drawn people to to us and our and kind of our philosophy and that's because we're just curious about movement and it doesn't have to be about mo- you know doing a certain lift or getting to a certain level of pounds or whatever that you're trying to lift right so Yeah. So what this is all leading up to, and what uh, really what I wanted to talk to you about is how does someone prepare their bodies for this type of activity, or? recover from this type of activity whether it is on the beach where you're flipping kettlebells and swinging them around or you're in a gym you're trying to deadlift and maximize that what are the tools that uh really help this stuff so i want to just go back to kind of the very beginning and you know what it um or where it originated from so you go into a gym our gym has them uh, we've got foam rollers everywhere. We've got sticks, right? Um, yeah. So these are what uh, are called uh, SMR tools. And SMR, just for the people who don't know what that is, it's uh, self-myofascial release, right? Um, and I guess another term that I, um, that w- commonly used now uh, is IASTM, or instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. Um, so that's a practice of using tools to help mobilize. Um, so this is an extremely popular way now of recovering uh, from activity. So how did this even come to be? Uh, like, where did this all start?
1: <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I, yeah, I could take a guess at where it all started, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that have kind of different ideas, right? Okay. But, I mean, you uh, you had even mentioned when we were emailing back and forth before, you had mentioned Gua Sha, right? Yeah, so yeah. All- uh, Gua Sha was the original ISM, I-A-S-T-M. Uh, and Guasha Sha is, uh, I believe it was Chinese originally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally scraping people, uh, scraping people for the most part top to bottom with a uh, bullhorn is what they were originally made out of. Right. Some people then made them out of uh, bones, out of uh, jade, out of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but literally these tools were invented to scrape people. And the original premise behind Gua Sha was to kind of Uh, release the toxins from the blood, right? Mm -hmm. So it was actually meant to be a blood-based exchange. So if you look at someone after they've had traditional guasha, um, it literally looks like blood blisters on them, top to bottom. It looks like they're bruised, top Who's to up, bottom. Right, right. Um, It's not, it's not deep, but it's meant to actually, essentially change the fluids of the body in some way, shape, or form. Um, and that was kind of like one of the one of the big originals, right? But people have been doing stuff for thousands of years where they're, you know, jamming things into places because <laughs> it, it feels good. It feels nice, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, because it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that's the that's the reality of it. So the funny thing is, in my world, people like to be like, "Oh, the evidence shows this. The evidence shows that." And I go, "Yeah, but." Have, when's the last time you foam rolled your upper back? Like, mm. tell me that shit doesn't feel good. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they go, <laughs> yeah, 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 it feels good. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I go, well, then why are we like, why do we care so much about whether or not the evidence lends itself to five degrees of flexion change or whatever? <laughs> right, right. right? But anyway, I mean, it's been around for a really long time and just okay. like everything else, especially in the fitness industry, um, people are constantly trying new things and people are going, oh, that feels really good. And most things that have started in that world have started that way because someone tried it on themselves went that worked well, or that feels really good. And then they tried it on their clients and they went, huh, I'm pretty sure this is working on my clients too. And then they went, I should probably tell some more people about this. Yeah. And then they start writing about it, telling their friends about it. So, you know, nowadays people will be like, Oh, it's a three day certification about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, how do use a foam roll yeah. or, or, or whatever? Right. Um, and so most of the things in, in, in my world anyway, most of the things that have come about have literally just been someone trying it on themselves and going like, this feels really good. Why don't more people do this? I should right. probably figure out a way to spread the word about this. Gotcha. Everything from using tools to foam rollers to using bands. And some of them are kind of traceable to very specific people as being the popularizers. Okay. But most of these, most of these tools are something that at some point someone tried, figured out it worked, figured out it felt good and kind of just grew it from there. Right.
0: Right. Now, um, Now, there's a term uh, that's called fascia, and it's a part of the body. Um, And rather than me trying to explain what I think, what I've learned from what it is, could you explain to us what fascia is and perhaps what the role is in in the body, uh, what it does, essentially?
1: Perfect. So fascia, for for people that don't know the body kind of inside and out, if you took away all the things you would consider the human body, you'd probably be left with fascia. So if you took out the nerves you took out the muscles you took out the bones you took away the skin what you'd be left with is this kind of giant spider web Mm. and it would look very similar to a spider web that connects the body top to bottom so it's all this other kind of connective tissue that connects one muscle to the next and connects your organs to each other and the things that kind of suspend our body in space right Mm. so the fascia is this kind of network of connective tissue that runs top to bottom. It's inside our eyeballs, inside our organs, it's inside our muscles, okay. it's inside our, uh, our bones and our joints. And so it's one of these things that kind of gives a framework to our body top to bottom. So the fascia, I mean, I could get into a lot of detail, but mm-hmm. the specifics of it, but that's that's the basics of it is it's the connective tissue spider web that connects us top to bottom um, that connects one muscle to the next, that connects um, you know, our organs to the other organs, to all that kind of stuff. Right. It's all this kind of stuff that if you were a, you know, so for instance, if you were a surgeon and you went to peel back the skin, the skin, the reason the skin just doesn't fall right off the human body yeah. is because it's is because of fascia. Right. And the reason that, you know, the reason that uh, muscles kind of stay where they are rather than like flailing off to one side when they're in a loose position is because of fascia. Fashion. So like your biceps are, uh, they're loosely connected and attached to your brachialis, which is loosely attached to your humerus, which right. is loosely attached your triceps but you know most of how we're taught is that your triceps are only attached at the top and the bottom your biceps are only attached at your elbow and your shoulder where the fact of the matter is they're loosely attached to everything else in the middle through this kind
0: of big web called fascia fascia and i like i like using kind of like as an example when i try to get a client first of all to okay let's start using some foam rolling or whatever and i try to explain what fascia is and like well what is that what does that mean and the 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 one analogy i like to use like think of a sausage and the casing of the sausage the casing of the sausage that's your fascia it's if you didn't have it the sausage would just be ground beef or ground pork Uh or whatever it is right (laughs) yeah in it's simplistic yeah exactly (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: and in the most basic sense, I mean, that's that's really what it is, and that's uh, for most. That's just a, like that's just a piece of it, right? Of so That would be called the epimysium, which is a part of your fascia, and okay. there's other parts of it too. But the the most the most common thing that people think of when they think of fascia okay. is Thomas Myers Anatomy Trains because right. he essentially systematized how the whole body, how the muscles of the body anyway, are connected top to bottom through that you know quote unquote sausage casing, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's part of it, right? but okay. the the reality is that there's there's epimysium, there's endomysium, there's all these ligaments that most of us wouldn't think of, and all these tendons and all these extra connections, right? The strongest ones are the ones that you're talking about, kind okay. of the sausage casing like those are the ones that are the thickest that are really kind of hard to get through got gotcha. um, but there there's more to it than that there's stuff like Fascia is what gives our our liver its shape and its structure, for instance, right? Um, And so the way you should probably be thinking even about the muscles in the body is that like you, the fascia is there first and you kind of pour muscles into the Uh, fascia, right? That's interesting, okay. um, The fascia is like the casing that kind of keeps everything in place and transmits force and signals uh, from one place to
0: another. Mm -hmm. It's a multifaceted really uh, tool or not tool, uh, but a part of your... Your anatomy, really. Um, yeah. So, so knowing that, that that is the function of the fascia, multi you know multifunctional uh, piece of your body. Um, so, how does that play into um, how important mobility is, uh, or I guess you could use the term elasticity and stability? Uh, so, what what role does fascia have in both mobility and stability?
1: Uh, so, I mean. Here's the thing about fascia, is it has kind of two, for two purposes. One is as a force transmission kind of organ, right? And by that I mean um, it, takes the, it takes tension uh, from one place of your body and transmits it very loosely to other places in your body, right? Okay. Um, and so one is if you treated it essentially as if it was nothing but plastic, right, or rubber, it would almost be like that and that it transmits a little force from one end to the other when it's pulled on, right? So that's one part. Uh, and then the other part is that it's actually a sensory organ. So okay. your fascia is extremely rich with sensory receptors that tell your nervous system, your, like your spinal cord and your brain, um, what's going on in that area. So you have these little mechanical receptors in your fascia, uh, that has a lot of them in some places and a few of them in others, uh, that essentially your body, your brain, your spinal cord use fascia as one of the feedback mechanisms, mm-hmm. right? As one of the one of the ways that it gets an idea of where your brain, uh, where sorry, where your body is in space, without having to look at it, without having to visually look at it, and without right. having to do something to it, right? So yeah. it uses it as a feedback mechanism. So as a result of it having feedback from the fascia and it using force transmission, uh, generally, if you change the fascia, change the input to the fascia, you can change a little bit about how we move. And I say a little bit because. There are other more powerful ways to do it, okay. um, but the fascia is a feedback mechanism and it's a force transmission mechanism. So, um, you, you know, take that for what it might be. It, it, it plays a role but it's you know it's one ingredient in the giant soup of, of human movement right it's just an ingredient that for the most part has been massively overlooked in the you know until you know recent decade or two
0: decades or so i see okay so you use the word movement and that's something that obviously is very important that i want to address so what actually is movement what causes us to move like is there uh, stimuli uh that we apply or that we uh that cause us to move like how does that work for us well, what is movement if we can boil it down <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> a broad question. I know. I know. Um, what is movement? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, assuming most people kind of know a little bit about what movement actually is—human mm-hmm. movement. I mean, I mean, the way it generally works is that um, we have two types of movement. We have voluntary movement and we have involuntary movement. And for the most part, uh, the vast majority of our movements are involuntary. Um, So if you're walking across the street, for instance, you don't have to go right hip flex, left hip extend, right right shoulder flex, left shoulder extend. You don't have to consciously think about all these things. You don't have to think about breathing, which is a form of movement. You don't have to think about moving your eyes to read in order to do, uh, in order to accomplish that movement. So pretty well, almost every single thing that we do as a human, um, besides things like dreaming, uh, are moving. And <laughs> yeah. there's a reason that even when you dream, you You're accidentally moving. move. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah, your body literally starts to twitch and you accidentally, you know, kick someone out of your bed. Uh, right. Those sorts of things. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> Um, so anyway, the human movement, the vast majority of it's involuntary, and the vast majority of it is uh, controlled by our brain. So our brain and our spinal cord, for the most part, send these little electrical signals down our nerves that tell our, our muscles to contract right, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so depending on how frequent those uh, signals are sent and depending on how where they're sent to – Um, it kind of all adds up into this big symphony that is human movement, right? So your brain will send a signal to your biceps to say, I want you to flex the elbow. It won't say flex the elbow. It'll just say biceps on,
2: right? right? right, And it'll
1: activate a certain amount of motor units in your biceps and your biceps will activate and then your forearm will come closer to your upper arm, which is elbow flexion. Right. Right. And so it's insanely complex, but that's the basic version of it Mm -hmm. is that your brain sends information or shouldn't say information. It sends a signal down a nerve. Um, if it's a motor nerve, then it gets to the end. Um, a signal fires into that muscle, the muscle contracts, Uh, depending how often those signals are sent and how big of an area they're sent to, it'll be a forceful or minor contraction. Right. And then the exact uh, other end of the spectrum is that your biceps uh, and everything else in the area, mostly like your joints and your fascia, have feedback mechanisms built in, so that your brain knows how far your elbow has been right. and knows when to kind of shut it off, okay. right? And knows how to turn the whole thing down, and so we've kind of got this constant mechanism going, whereby we have a mix of what we call motor nerves which means that uh, it's nerves that cause a movement to happen in sensory nerves, nerves that sense what's going on in an area, whether it be temperature or mechanical movement. And so movement in the human system is essentially created by this constant feedback mechanism from the sensory nerves and output mechanism from the motor nerves all of it being interpreted uh, by your brain and kind of dialed up and dialed down by your brain.
0: Right, right, and I think with all of that, uh, in terms of it as an explanation of what movement actually is, when when someone thinks of movement, they think, okay, well, I need to, it's my limbs moving or my neck's turning left to right, but what's actually going on in the body is what's really important. And so leaning from all of that information, what I really want to ask from all of that also is that, what is it that can cause that process of feedback loops um, and, um, you know, signals firing back and forth, what can cause it to either be more efficient or to slow down? Like, I'm, I'm sure there's a multitude of things, but in terms of activity, uh, you know, if you can relate it to activity and the things you can do, what 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 kind of things would affect that either more efficiently or slowing down that process?
1: So pretty well everything we do, um, you know, for <laughs> at least for, you know, a really broad answer to that. Um, so for instance, pain changes massively, um, whether that's pain that is caused by a painful input to your body or pain that is caused from emotion or pain that is caused from psychological distress, pain changes everything about how you move. Uh, so that's one part of it. Uh, hydration has a huge part of how we move. Um, and then one of the, one of the main regulators is the feedback that you get from your body. Um, and so for, for instance, I mean, you, there's a reason that when you go to kick a soccer ball, you don't blow your ACL right? Because what's happening is as you, as you follow through, after you've kicked a soccer ball as hard as you can, your knee is going to stop extending eventually because what's happening is your hamstrings slowly lengthening out. Mm. It's slowly sending these signals back to your brain being like, we're getting close to the end of what we're capable of. You need to kind of, you need to elastically pull this back. back gotcha. So a lot of that happens in your, in your, it, a lot of this happens in your spinal cord In that instance, because it's reflex built. Um, but a huge part of how we operate in space is, through feedback, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, so our body can, our brain can essentially tell our body what to do through sending these signals down to it. Um, but it only knows if it actually achieved the task and how that task is going through feedback. Right. So pretty well, anything that you can do that can put feedback into the system is going to change how you move. So that could be, um, it could be someone coaching you. It could be someone saying, do this. It could be you watching a video yourself. It could be a mirror. It could be someone touching you. It could be tape. It could be vibration. It could be a phone roll. It could be how you're holding on to something. It could be that you have indigestion. It could be a whole bunch of these things. Pretty well, any feedback that is sent into the body through any of the senses is going to be fed into your brain and have some impact on how you move.
0: I gotcha. Okay, so there you go. And you think you said it right there. All of these little things that provide our body feedback influences or impacts uh, how uh, we move. So if we can go yeah. right now and drill it down to these little tools again that we brought up earlier, um, whether they're the foam rollers or things or uh, a, a blade or a rock blade or something, um, how does it affect the bodily process to produce this movement? At least what is the goal? What is it aiming to do?
1: Yeah. So the most basic feedback, right? So it's, it's providing a clarity to the brain about what is going on in the area. Okay. So I mean, there's, and, and that is generally quite calming to the bot mm-hmm. I mean, essentially the vast majority of what you're getting from tools a lot of the time is it, it falls into that category of feedback. And the application of those tools will change the feedback a little bit. So okay. for instance, uh, one of the reasons that people love vibration, like, everybody freaking loves their <laughs> their hyperites, right? Like, people just, like, I, I've seen people catch those things on fire
0: using it oh, so much, really?
1: right? And they're just like, oh, shit, what, this is what happens when I use it for two hours straight. Right. Yeah. But, uh, right? Um,
0: Actually, to be honest, so right like now, I've got two or three different versions of vibration tools myself, different brands and things, but I've yeah, got two or three of them, Yeah. <laughs> So.
1: There's nothing wrong with that, people yeah. love them, but one of the interesting things is that vibration is actually unique in that it has uh, its own nerve pathway, and it has mm. a unique representation in the brain, which is one of the reasons, um, I shouldn't say it has a unique representation in the brain, that's not entirely true. Okay. It, it, it stimulates uh, a different kind of receptor than does stretch, than does compression, than does temperature, than does chemical issues, all these kind of things. And it just so happens that vibration for the vast majority of people is actually a a calming feeling, meaning that it actually down regulates um, our sympathetic nervous system. It makes us feel a little calmer. It makes things feel looser and it dulls pain. Right. So pretty well any input that you can give uh, give to the body will fall into some kind of category of us being able to say, this will probably feel good or this probably won't feel good. And this is how the body's likely to react to it. So with something like uh, a rock blade, you can affect um, the shear between the different layers of fascia in the body and you can actually change the input to the brain a little bit doing that. You can change the hydration of these tissues. You can change kind of the lube of the issues, the tissues, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and you can change a lot about these things. Okay. What's been shown to happen for the vast majority of people is that almost every single one of these passive therapies, whether it be foam rolling, vibration, rock blades, those sorts of things, they can make you feel better. Almost all of them can make you feel better, and almost all of them are, for the most part, temporary. Mm. And that's not a bad thing, because people go, oh, why would I do it if it's temporary? Um, But that's one of the reasons that the vast majority of these things need to be matched with movement, right? right? It needs to be like you, and I remember you even taught this a little bit in the course, like, if you're gonna go and apply rock blades to someone, or you're gonna go and you know, dig into someone with an elbow, or get them to foam roll, you should probably be doing it and then moving. Because yeah. what you're doing is you're giving the body feedback, you're clarifying what's going on in the area, you're making the body feel less threatened, feel good about what's going on in that area, now your job is to go use it. right? Because right. you altered you know, one half of that equation, because there's the motor half and there's the sensory half, and you know, it's not perfectly simple like that, but when you've altered the sensory half to the point where the body really likes what's going on in that area, you now have the ability to go really express the best version of the motor half, Mm -hmm. which is why people foam roll when they warm up, because when they warm up, they realize that they foam roll a time before they warm up, they move better Mm -hmm. and they feel better. Right. And I think, you know, a lot of people like to say, Oh, well, the evidence says it only lasts five minutes. And I go, well, I think who gives two shit. (laughs) Like if it's five minutes, if I go and foam roll my IT band and not that I do, but if I go foam roll my IT band or my Mm -hmm. glutes or my hips or whatever, And I can go out and I can move better. Great. Because I'm going to use that and my body's now going to get, uh, well practiced at moving better. Right? Right. right. And so I think in isolation, most of these tools are great in that they make you feel better, but you're just going to have to use them the rest of your life. If you're constantly every single time you have a knot, you just pound it with something (laughs) and then go back to the real world. Yeah. Um, but what you probably can do is a really good job of pounding it into submission and then go use it and retrain the system Mm. um, to move how you want to move and to not produce that, that, tissue problem to start with
0: right right? i think that's the key there is is the fact that uh you use that perhaps a new range of motion that you have for that moment you know those few minutes and retrain and or re-strengthen or whatever so that you don't have these same issues um but you also said something earlier about that it makes you uh feel good and therefore you do it and then you know you have a bit more mobility um and and therefore you can go and move a little bit better but what about uh, w- when people say, oh, man, I went to the, the RMT yesterday and they just beat the crap out of me, like uh, my, dug their elbow into my shoulders or whatever, I'm like, there's no way that that feels good, perhaps after, because yep. you, you know, you've now re- been relieved of all this pain, but I think there's yep. something that people, I don't know if it's a belief um, and what truth there is to it, but what's happening there when people say, okay, yeah, so I've, I'm, I feel so much more loose now because I've just been beaten to submission. Like, what is all that?
1: Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is those days are actually slowly starting to disappear. There's less and less people absolutely annihilating people nowadays. Um, and a lot of that's because they're, they're realizing that they're annihilating people is really, it's just a temporary yeah, thing, right, right? A lot of the time. So one of, the, there's, there's a few things to understand. So first, um, when you put that much force into the body, even when it's painful, um, you have the ability to kind of override the normal signals coming from that area. And if you take literally anything in the body long enough and you rub it long enough and you rub it hard enough, your body goes, okay, I'm sick of this shit. I just don't want to listen to it anymore. And even though your, your sensory system is sending signals from the area for 20 minutes straight, at the end of those 20 minutes, your brain goes, you know what? These signals have been coming from 20 minutes. I don't want to hear it anymore. And it just kind of turns the volume down, right? It's almost like shutting the door on someone and it's not, you know, it's clearly not that simple. Um, But when you get a repeated input into the body, it's coming from an area that it starts to recognize that actually your brain pays less attention to it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's actually one of the reasons, um, it's actually one of the reasons that it feels so much better to have someone else dig in Mm -hmm. as opposed to digging in yourself. Because when you dig in yourself, like when you try to rub your own shoulders or give yourself a neck rub, it right. never feels as good, even if you're putting just as much pressure as somebody else. And a lot of that is because your body is actually really well fine-tuned to recognize your own touch and your own See. system through, uh, and a lot of that, if you produce the movement yourself, um, your, your brain, produces, <laughs> you get this thing called an efferent copy, okay. which is essentially your brain sends a copy of the expected feeling from the area. To the area, right, and for the most part, it makes it so that it's going, I'm expecting to hear this, I'm expecting to feel right. That. I see. So, when I do expect that or feel that, just ignore it,
2: mm, right? Gotcha. And so,
1: uh, what ends up happening is your brain gets really, really good um, at listening to signals from the area that come from within, that come from you, but it's not really used to an RNT's elbow jamming into your ass, <laughs> sheet, right? It's not really used to someone jamming their thumbs into your traps, your elevator scap or to your suboccipitals or whatever. It's not used to that because it doesn't have an efferent copy. So passive movements, like passive therapies that go into the body, skip this efferent copy issue that we've got, whereby um, your brain is expecting to feel it. Mm -hmm. So when you dig in on yourself or when you move your own body, when you do something that is not an external implement or an external person doing it to you, your brain actually doesn't pay as close of attention to it, right? Your brain, which is, you know, neither good nor bad, but they're, they're actually fundamentally different. So when you dig into the body, like have something external digging into the body, whether it be a ball, a foam roll, vibration, someone else's elbow, massage therapist, a chiro, a physio, or whatever it is. Um, when you have any of these people digging into you, it actually is processed differently than you digging in on yourself, right? Because, Something that is created from within versus something that comes from the outside—they're actually processed kind of different. Right. right? And a lot of that is just the, the, the beauty and complexity of the human brain,
0: right? Right. You know, if you were sitting right in I front of even me right now, what the question was. <laughs> no, no, you answered it perfectly. But um, if you were sitting right in front of me right now, obviously, people know that we're on a phone call. But um, I've been nodding for five minutes. It's like, oh, okay, oh, okay. I've been. <laughs> nodding to myself just absorbing all this because it's it's given me so much context to the knowledge that limited knowledge obviously that I have and uh, I can now kind of apply it on a broader scale because now this more specific understandings that you were being able to explain as to why we do these things and so let's circle back now to the specific tools because I think uh, in terms of listeners okay they've heard all of this stuff but okay well Tell me, will I, will this help me then? Is it is it valid? Is it useful? So let's start with um, what is kin tape, first of all? What does kin, uh, kinesiology tape do? Because I've got a lot of clients or members uh, in the group fitness, uh, you know, classes that I teach uh, that have kin tape and, you know, they say my physio put it on and I have to wear it for a week and all these different things. What is the purpose and how would it help movement based on what we've just talked about?
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, kinesiology tape is a, is a stretchy tape. It's not all that stretchy, uh, but it's a stretchy tape that you can apply to the skin and you can leave on for a couple days at a time, right? Yeah. And so people have probably seen it. it. showed up in the Olympics in 2012 and fades. Everybody was wearing it. Um, it's usually colorful and applied to, like, a shoulder, a low back, a knee, something like that, um, but it's applied to a lot of other things as well. So kinesiology tape is, is left on a skin, and a lot of it, in the most basic sense, is actually just meant to change the feedback in an area, right? There's other things going on, too, with the way that fluid flows. Um, but for the most part, it's meant to just change the feedback in the area and having a novel stimulus fed to an area is actually very soothing to the body. There's a reason that when we stub our toe, we rub it. Right. (laughs) There's a reason that when we like, when we get a paper cut, we go, ah, we pull it into ourselves and we touch it and we grab everything but the cut itself around it, kind of go, ah, God, right? right?
2: Right, right, When we hurt
1: ourselves, we don't actually take it and throw it away from us, right? Kind of go, oh, and like take our foot and throw it in the air in front of us. <laughs> like we go, ah, and we pull it in and we touch it. Right. And a lot of that's because touch is actually soothing to the nervous mm-hmm. system. Touch actually makes things feel better. And any kind of novel input that our body isn't used to getting day in and day out, as long as it's not painful, it really likes. There's a, <laughs> like, that's just, the reality of it yeah, so our yeah. brain does a really good job of, of forgetting the inputs that we get every single day mm-hmm. which is why we don't notice that we're wearing clothing right right like right. our body just like oh yeah t-shirt got it seen this one before yeah. disregard <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't yeah. need that information right Right. but it's not used it's not used to someone rubbing your shoulders gotcha. so when someone rubs your shoulders you're like ah, oh, yeah right. right or when someone does you any kind of pain so when you take any kind of area that's got an issue or any kind of pain coming from it, and you put a novel input into the area, no matter Mm. what that novel input is, it's going to help it feel better. It's not going to necessarily help to change the problem, but it's going to help it feel better. But the nice thing is when things feel better, they move better. When people move better, they feel better about the problem. And a lot of the time it'll help them in the healing process.
0: Right, right. Love that. Um, so from, again, my limited understanding, I thought kin tape was just to hold, you know, certain, you know, you know the skin into one, into one area and to uh, just allow a little range of mo- motion given an injury. Now, is that, if again, a simplistic way of putting uh, one of the functions of kin tape?
1: Uh Yeah, that'd be one of the functions of kin tape. But mm-hmm. the thing is, if you've ever actually used kinesiology tape like, extensively, mm-hmm. you realize it's pretty flimsy. Right, like compared to the strength that you've got built into a muscle, compared to the strength you've got built into tendons and those sorts of things, it can change a little bit about how you move mechanically. It's going to change a heck of a lot more about how you move through the feedback of the nervous system. Right, so it's not going to change like a ton mechanically, but you will behave differently as a result of having it on. Right, so I think a lot of the time we need to remember that like we're built like the machine that we move around is like, it's it's it pulleys and levers, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just muscles pulling on bone is the most basic sense. But the main controller of that is our brain. And a lot of the time when we put something as flimsy as kinesiology tape on our system, right? Like, and we move better. It's not because that kinesiology tape is magically moving the muscles for us. It's not mechanically moving the levers. Gotcha. It's making the brain usually a little bit better at moving in a way that is a little uncomfortable right. or is a little more optimal in some way. And so it's a really like, that's one of the reasons I hound on feedback a lot of the time, because Mm -hmm. feedback is the main mechanism, um, like neurological input, non-threatening high fidelity neurological input to the system is one of the main ways that a huge amount of our, um, A huge amount of our tools work right right? they just literally they they give our brain really good information with which make decisions about movement and pain Mm -hmm. and then our brain does the rest of the work
0: I think that's gonna be a huge takeaway from this uh, because I think uh, because the mechanical movement of sitting on a foam roller to release the glutes or activate uh, you know certain other things um, because it's a mechanical movement the benefit isn't really coming from the mechanical part of what you're doing, but like you're saying, the the stimulation of the the brain or the feelings that you get from it that allows you to feel better and therefore move better, right? There's the, there's the distinction I think. And when I went to the Rockblade uh, cert, you know, what I learned from you was that there is this distinction and um, really the benefit is coming from the neurological side and not necessarily the mechanical side. Cause I think to make those mechanical alterations in, muscle tissue takes quite a bit more force than me sitting on a a ball will ever create, right?
1: Oh yeah. It it takes it would take years of a mass amount of force to change the actual physical properties of a muscle or any of the connective tissue. Right. And Mm -hmm. I know people that have done it. I actually knew (laughs) a a guy here in 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 Kelowna. He would literally he would smash his like his biceps like on his arm. With a 45 pound plate, like you would sit this 45 pound plate on end <laughs> on his biceps, laying flat on his back on the ground and just flex and extend his arm. And you'd do that for like 20 minutes a day because he thought his biceps were tight. Oh my God. And you know, for, I'm willing to bet that two years in his biceps are like just mush. And <laughs> sure enough, you touch them and they feel like foam, right? right? They didn't feel like a muscle. Jeez. And there's a good chance he made a difference. Right. But like, honestly, like getting a lacrosse ball or a foam roll or a thumper or a, like a vibration device into your glutes or into your hip or into right. your like neck or traps or something, very unlikely it's making a mechanical difference at all, right? Gotcha. It might be making a little difference in the way the chemicals in the area behave, may make a difference and a few other things it's more than likely a change in your nervous system and how it's perceiving and behaving. Um, there's, almost no chance that it's changing anything else
0: okay okay there we go and i hope i hope everyone heard that it's very it's there's a very distinct uh difference there and um they cannot make those alterate mechanical alterations in the body just by sitting on a, on a ball for a few minutes now let's move on to vibration yep. tools again um so theragun yep. hypervolt trigger point vibe there's a bunch of different vibration tools or sorry percussion tools and i guess yep. b- along the same lines of vibration tools. Um, there's from what I have learned, because uh, the the commercial gym that I worked at um, had a trigger point course, and uh, they were talking yeah. about the different frequencies. Perhaps that these vibrations were coming at the body, uh, or percussions yeah. coming to the body. Now, is there any science to the different frequencies, uh, either being ben- more beneficial for warm up or for cool down? Like, is there anything, any truth to that?
1: Uh, in theory, yes. Uh, the reason I say in, in theory, yes, Mm -hmm. is because we like to look at them as if they're silos, as if they're categories, like, Oh, you vibrate, uh, in this range and it does this and this range and it does this. And he's not wrong. Like I'm literally, I'm standing in front of my bookcase right now, kind of pacing the floor and I've got a (laughs) 2000 page textbook called principles of neural science by Kendall and
2: Schwartz.
1: Um, and you can look up in this textbook the different mechanical receptors that you have throughout your body and the, Mm the, the vibration frequencies that stimulates them. Like it's a pretty pretty standard kind of knowledge set is different types of vibration and different types of pressure stimulating different receptors in your body. Okay. But with that being said, the vast majority of these tools are like they're they're not that fine tuned. Okay. Right? Like some of them are and, and I appreciate a lot of them and I think that they're great. But in the most basic sense, like almost any kind of vibration that falls into the range of it being comfortable to apply to the human body is going to stimulate a lot of these different receptors, right? Um, And and the same thing actually applies with uh, vibration plates. So there's something that actually has a ton of research behind it that hasn't really caught on because it seems gimmicky, but (laughs) vibration plates and putting people on vibration plates for a ton of different things has been shown to help a lot. That's interesting. I've actually never heard of vibration plates. It's literally like it'd be you, you know, like the size of a coffee table kind of thing that you stand on, and it vibrates at a very specific frequency, not nearly to the same amplitude that one of those percussors will. Right. Um, but vibration plates that so you can actually get people to exercise on vibration plates, and it will it will amplify certain certain aspects of what they do. The problem idea. is that it seems really odd, and they're really expensive, and it seems kind of gimmicky, but yeah. uh, they actually work. So I mean, there, there is something to vibration okay. in the way that it changes the nervous system but you know in the fitness industry and in the in the medical industry we're really guilty of of making things complex which don't need to be complex. Yeah, totally. And by that I mean it's like oh well we're going to we're going to stimulate you know the pectinian corpuscle here and we're going to stimulate the mechanoreceptors there and it's just part of me goes like yeah that's cool but if you scrape me it feels better so scrape me. So just do that. Right? <laughs> like,
0: now would you say there's a big like, component if, of just uh, you know just doing some uh, uh, throwing some jargon in there just to sound knowledgeable? I think there's a lot of that going on as well
1: yeah <laughs> and, and you know what I, th- I think and, and you're, you're talking to a guy who is a self-prof- self-professed lover of knowledge yeah. right <laughs> and I like I, I like knowing these things yeah. and I like knowing them for the rare cases where I think it is the most applicable thing that I could could know yeah. but to be <laughs> entirely honest like most of this most of this stuff is like, it's useful info to have, mm-hmm. but the reality is most of us have figured out what kind of feels good and what helps us over time, and those things kind of, they just tend to rise to the top. So it's right. just like, to me, it's just like, I'm going to wait five years, and then whatever the most popular kind of percussion <laughs> instrument is, I'm going to buy that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's probably the one that has the most financial backing now. It's right. the one that probably has the best warranty. It's the, probably the one that feels really good, and over time, enough people are going to realize it's the one that feels really good. Right. And so I'm going to use that one.
0: So would right? you and say I don't
1: then, have any any issues saying that. Yeah.
0: Now, would you say that in your arsenal of tools in your practice, do you have uh, any of these percussion tools? Yeah. Whether for yeah, yourself yeah. or others. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, I I don't have one for myself. I wish I had one for myself. I just don't have one at home. (laughs) I used to have one and I broke it. Oh, boy. I haven't replaced it. If anyone's listening to this and feels like sending me one, I am perfectly (laughs) open to it. It is genetic evolution in Kelowna, British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, I've got one that I use in my clients. And you know why? It freaking feels good. Right. it it, It feels nice and people feel better. They kind of melt away. They feel good. I right. don't stand there and claim that it's going to trick their nervous system and it's going to work on these X, Y, and Z specific things because the reality is like, yeah, it probably is, mm-hmm. but the patient doesn't care right. do does they need to know that level of detail. And honestly, I don't even need to know that level of detail. <laughs> yeah. If I, if I pound them in the back for 90 seconds with this thing in the area that hurts, it doesn't hurt anymore. That's all right. I need to know. Right. Right. And, and the reality is if they don't hurt anymore and I can get them up off the table and out into my gym and get them pushing a sled,
2: mm-hmm. great. Right,
1: right. Right. Like, I really don't care if it was a muscle spindle or a Paxidian corpuscle that did it. <laughs> I just need to know that it will do it. Right. Right. And, you know, like I said, I'm a lover of knowledge. So, like, there's, I, I want to know. I want to dork out. But the reality is, over time, like, I let a lot of these things kind of sit around for a few years. Mm. And then if everybody still seems to love them and swear by them, I go, okay, there's probably something to them
0: Let's see if I, I really jump. should go yeah. uh, check it out. <laughs> and check yeah. it out. Um, so, the ongoing yeah. theme from what I'm hearing um, is that if it feels good, do it. Because at the end of the day, what feels good, (laughs) right? Right. And because if it feels good, and it helps you move better, then why not? Right. And I think, um, and I'm going to ask you the very definitive question in a second. But that's essentially what it is. Uh, If it helps you feel better and move better, why not apply it? Because at the end of the day, what is the goal? Isn't it to move better or to feel better? And if the answer is yes, then why not use whatever that tool is? right whether like you said it was bone or jade or whatever it was use it so um now i'm going to ask you the very definitive question based on your education knowledge experience and expertise can you say for certain that self myofascial release so whether it be foam rolling or or uh, percussion tools or istm tools like uh, the rock blade or graston which we didn't talk about but these forms of manual therapy do they work
1: Uh, it depends on your (laughs) definition of works. All right. right? And and the reason I'm saying that is, is because like works for what, like Mm. I would definitively say, yes, they make you feel better. Um, I would say, but there's, but there's gotta be parameters on that. It's just Mm -hmm. like, there's a difference between something that makes you, makes you feel better and something that fixes the problem. And there's a difference between something that makes you feel better for five minutes and something that makes you feel better for five years. Right. Right. And there's, um, so yeah, I have no problem saying yes saying, gotcha. yeah, these gotcha. things work. They gotcha. work to make you feel better, but there is a time component to that. They don't make you feel better forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I have to do it to you for an hour to make you feel better, then that's not very good, <laughs> right? So yeah, they work. But most people kind of figure out after a while, like if you foam roll for literally two seconds, you, you don't feel any change, mm-hmm. um, but if you foam roll for twenty minutes, you've probably gone past the point where you're getting benefit from it. Right. So there's all these parameters, right, right? Where yeah, I'd say definitively they make people feel better. Mm-hmm. Some of it's temporary, but they, I don't have an issue with that.
0: Right, right. So let's uh, let's let's put it in those in those certain parameters. Let's put some parameters around them. If you were. Um, just someone coming into the gym, and, and you know, I'm going to ask the very basic question. Okay, so I need to prepare myself for my workout today. What do I need to do to prepare myself, or what would you recommend that someone does to prepare themselves for movement, whether it's use of these tools or otherwise, and how would, I, how would you suggest that I recover uh, from these things, whether it's using these tools or otherwise?
1: Uh, for the most part, people need to actually have their tissues warmed up. Um, for kind of safety purposes, like physically warmed up. So uh, getting your body temperature up a little bit and actually getting the blood flowing to your periphery is important. There's a reason that warm ups are a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's number one, you have to be a little bit warmer. On me, it's literally, I show up and I wear sweatpants and I wear a hoodie and a hat and mm-hmm. I jump onto like a rower or a bike right. because I'm just going, I don't want to be in this thing for half an hour, I hate this thing. Yeah. I just want to get warmed up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Um, and so I'm just like, do something low impact to get the body temperature up and then honestly, goal number one for me is to try to get every single joint in my body moving to every single range of range of motion it has access to and then load it. Right. So by that, I mean, if you're looking at this shoulder, it's like, I want to have it all the way across the front of my body, all the way across the back of my body, all the way over my head to the front, all the way up to the back, all the way out to the side. And it's like, I don't want to do all that far enough. And a big part of that is I'm trying to give my body enough feedback Um, from all those joints and from the fascia and from everything else, top to bottom Mm -hmm. to kind of get my brain on board with, Hey, my body's here. This is what it's doing. It's getting ready. Let's go. Right. So with me, there's certain areas that like, I just feel better doing that with a foam roll or feel better doing that with a lacrosse ball. So like my own personal routine is like, I show up, I hop on the rower, I get the heart rate up a little bit. I start to just feel like I'm starting to get moist for lack of a better word. (laughs) It's just like, okay starting to sweat. Here we go. Right. And then I jump onto a foam roll and that foam roll. I literally just go top to bottom. Um, so I foam roll my upper back. Sometimes like the base of my skull suboccipital area, right? Foam roll my lats on both sides, foam roll my glutes on both sides. Sometimes I do my quads, do the front of my hips and do my calves and foam rolling total takes me maybe like five to 10 minutes because I'm not trying to get into that area and mash something out and change the mechanical properties. I'm just trying to give some feedback to the area to a lot of these deeper tissues mm-hmm. and trying to make them feel a little better so that when I stand up, I go, ah, I feel good. It's like my brain knows what my body's doing. Mm, right. Right. And so I actually use a foam roll, and a lot of the time I use a tool, voodoo floss, foam roll, vibration, lacrosse ball. I'll use all of these. More than anything, to kind of flood my brain with information about where my body is in space. And it's like literally just dig into a whole bunch of these different places, don't make it horribly painful. Right. And then usually when I stand up, I feel amazing. Right. So, like, that's my 15 minute warm up. And then I'll go into usually kind of a progressive, weighted warm up, uh,
0: kind of specific to that day. Okay. 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 Um, what about uh, the cool down aspect? I want to bounce back a little bit to the preparation, but what about cool down? So you've done your workout. Uh, what are we doing after now? We, how, how are we recovering? Uh,
1: personally, I'm going, oh, shit, I'm late and running out the door. <laughs> <That's> uh, <laughs> <a recovery.
0: laughs> Time to go. <laughs> that's fair enough. My workout, yeah, right, yeah. Fair enough. Say. Love it. Love it.
1: Um, so and so, that's, that's the reality is I gotcha. apologize profusely for leaving my weights out and I run out the door. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> but, see, and that's... Yeah, I yeah, mean, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, that's very common. And I was, and this is what I was alluding to is that uh, a lot of people just kind of skip the cool down aspect of things, whether for better or for worse. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to ask you was uh, very quickly on static stretching, whether it's got its place either well I mean is it misplaced if we do static stretching like a quad stretch or you know a chest stretch or whatever either prior to or during exercise would you say well what what are your thoughts on that
1: uh, I think static stretching is overused but I don't think it's useless okay. um, I think Most people use static stretching as their primary means to move better um, when it's actually probably really far down the list in the things that will make you move better. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's there's other types of stretching and other types of movement that will help, like a lot of the stuff that we talked about, more so than static stretching will. But with that being said, when it comes down to it, if you really, really need to get extremely flexible, mm-hmm. you're going to need to be static stretching at some point. Right. 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 You, you, you can, there's really no way around it. Like, but that's just like, you're trying to learn how to do the splits or you're trying to gain access to a range of motion you've never had before. Right. 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 Um, I, I, have no problem. With, I mean, I did a ton of it. I was a goalie in ice hockey, like freaking mm. stretching was
0: my world. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs>
1: um, I've, I've since lost all that range of motion, but right. I mean, I had no choice. I would try to hang out in the splits for at least 15 minutes Jeez. a day at that time.
0: Um, wild.
1: but anyway, it's, so stretching is like it, it's great, um, and if nothing else, what it does is it gets your body used to being in a stretched position without dying, mm-hmm. right? You're because it, it sucks. I mean, if you've ever tried to really stretch your hamstrings or really stretch your groin or something, right? And you hang out there for a minute, you're just like, oh my god, yeah, that's this, so <laughs> this right? is uncomfortable, right? painful, um, yeah. <laughs> But what ends up happening is your body gets used to it. Your body kind of goes, all right, you know what, we can hang out at this range of motion and we're not going to tear, we're going to be fine, and it changes more than anything. It doesn't change the mechanical properties, it changes a lot more about how your nervous system behaves. And it teaches your nervous system to allow that range of motion to happen more readily, more so than it actually changes the real true length or mechanical properties of a muscle. So there are situations where that's really good. But the unfortunate reality is, what the research shows is it doesn't do a very good job of reducing injury risk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really do a very good job of increasing uh, flexibility compared to every other kind of training, gotcha. every other kind of stretch. Okay. So again, I put into the category of like, if it feels really good, go for <laughs> yeah. it. There's certain static stretches I love, and there's right. other ones that I don't. Right. And so the ones that I love, I do. The ones that I hate, I just don't do because I like I alluded to at the start, I don't have specific movement goals. I'm not like, oh, I need to deadlift this. Oh, I need to, you know, swing that. I need to right. jump here. I need to do that. Like, I just, I just don't give two shit. Anymore. <laughs> like, I just, I want to enjoy having a human body and right. using it every way that I love using
0: you it. Can. Do you can. Like- the reality
1: is, I can alter any of those activities. I'm not a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I can alter any that I want, however I want, to suit my purposes, to make me fit and have fun, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really nice to be able to do that. So if I needed to learn how to do the splits again for some unknown reason, yeah. I would get right back into static stretching.
2: Right, right. right? Love it. I
1: would have no choice because it would have to take me a while to get back to it. But I have no other reason to do it, so I right. don't really do it all that often.
0: All right. So I wanna, um, I wanna be mindful of time. Obviously, I know you, you've um, you've committed some time for me, and which I really appreciate. I want to wrap up just the, the the topic about these these tools and that there is a place for them. I think I want to just summarize that and say there is a place for them. Um, uh, for you know, for movement, uh, it does help. Um, but in, in uh, specific applications and understanding what and how it benefits you and what it's doing there is a place for them I think that's kind of how I want to sum this one up Uh, that's and again if it makes you feel good and you move better then why not (laughs) right
1: yeah man I mean I I use them every day in the clinic I I do it's funny because we talked about two things that I use um, yeah, literally every single day I use these tools. Like I, it, it's funny cause I don't work for rock tape anymore, but I, right. I still use rock blades,
2: rock blades right? So.
1: Like I, I still use them. I still think that they're valuable tools mm-hmm. and I use vibration, right? I use percussion, I guess I should, should call it. Right. Mm-hmm. I use those things cause I think they, I think they work and I right. think that they, they help people feel better. They help people move better. Um, and people like them. Right. And for the most part, as long as I'm not framing those tools and that, uh, Anything you to use, as long as I'm not framing it in a way to make people feel like it's the only thing that will <laughs> ever help them, and I'm not, and I'm not feeding into people's dysfunction. By the way, I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Have at it, man. Like use use whatever you want. But I think that those have a fair amount of evidence to show that they can be part of you know people's healing journey and they can make people feel better
0: i love it i love it now i want to shift gears a little bit now um again being mindful of time uh, i want to just i want people to kind of know a little bit more about you so obviously you have this vast amount of knowledge but just you as a human being um obviously you've got so many things going on um and like you said i think you have a very interesting life you like to um you know, dabble in so many different things and experience and learn. So I just want to learn a little bit more about you and hopefully um, some of the listeners can have some takeaways from it as well. So uh, a few questions for you. Um, what is the wisest thing you have ever heard someone say?
1: <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I don't know because I think <laughs> wisdom is always a little bit more about, a little more about hindsight. Gotcha. Um, but I actually... um. I had my father just last year tell me something that was the first time in a long time someone's really caught me off guard. Okay. Um, and it was because it was so obviously true. And, you know, to this day I refer to, you, refer to it as the no statute speech. And essentially what he <laughs> said um, was yeah, it sounds horrible and it sounds like the opposite of what a father should say. Right. But if you knew the context of our relationship, you'd understand. Okay. <laughs> Is he essentially looked you straight in the eye and he said, no one's building a statue of Benjamin Stevens when you die.
2: Mm.
1: Right. And it was kind of like, thanks dad. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right? Thanks man. Um, he's like, <laughs> it, but I mean, and the, the, the reason that he said that was because he essentially said, you got to remember who's important in your life. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can, you can try all you want to be really very minorly important to a whole lot of people, but just remember you are extremely important to a select few people, right. and make sure those people are always the people that come first.
0: That is so interesting. And
1: it it is one of those speeches where I think, you know, in today's day and age, and I'm guilty of this, we all kind of like to think that we're building an online reputation, and we all mm-hmm. like to think that we're gonna be an influencer in someday, and I like to think that we're changing our industry, or we like to think that we're well-connected and networked. But the reality is, if I dropped off the face of this planet today, there's five to 10 people in my life whose lives would be permanently altered by me disappearing. Mm-hmm and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody else would be like, oh wow, I can't believe that guy's gone. That sucks, right? But then right. they get on with it. Right. And, and the reality is there's so few people in this world that are going to have town squares named after them, <laughs> that are going to have statues built after right. them, that it's so important for for most people, myself specifically, to remember no one's out there building statues after you, man. And it, <laughs> it's, a kind of a, it's a reprioritization to right. be like, hey, you know, stop sacrificing the really important things to go try to pretend someone's going to build a statue of Ben Stevens. That's that's really interesting. It's a, it's a a prioritize. I've literally got the newspaper article that my dad like clipped out of the newspaper sitting right beside me about this. Um, And it was just kind of like a, it was was sobering, right? Because I'm really guilty of wanting to do cool stuff and always wanting knowledge and always wanting to be out there and wrestling with the world. And there's definitely been times where I kind of let my, attention to my family slip. I've let my attention to my personal health slip. Mm-hmm. I've let my attention to the things that really, truly matter and last kind of slip away um, because I was acting as if I was, you know, some kind of celebrity or someone <laughs> important. And the reality is yeah, I'm yeah. not that important. I'm yeah, really yeah. important to my daughter. I'm really important to my wife. I'm really important to my parents and my siblings to a select few friends. I'm not that important to everybody yeah, else.
2: Yeah. I'm yeah. just
1: here to help and do some cool stuff and to inspire people and live to the fullness of my life. But the reality is no one's building a statue to me. The people who are really important need to be really important.
0: Right, right. Hey, but you never know though. I mean, you never know. You got a few years <laughs> left. Maybe a statue <laughs> will be built in Kelowna for you. Who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah. That's not counter. Well, yeah. the, the funny thing <laughs> is, the funny, oh, I, I agree. Yeah. Part of me is like, dad, you don't know that no one's exactly. a statue.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> right? Like, just watch me. Right, uh, exactly. But, you know, the, the reality of it is, um, that's not an outcome I can control. Right, that's not absolutely. something I can do anything about. I can't go and request that people perceive me as important. All I can do is live to the fullness of my life, collect a, uh, you know elevate the collective human experience, and keep the really important people in my life very important to me. Um, and I think that actually allows me to be a fuller version of myself And in all likelihood, it's going to make it more likely someone's going to want to build a statue of me because they're going to (laughs) think I'm pretty cool.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) All right. I got another one for you. Ready? Um, So, if you complete this sentence, if you really, really, really knew me, Dr. Benjamin Stevens, you would know that...
1: Uh, I have no idea I actually <laughs> thought on that one yeah yeah if, if if you if you really really knew me, you'd probably know how much I care gotcha um and, and the the reason I say that is because I spent most of my life uh with a, a very i guess stoic exterior mm-hmm. um like you know i I always wanted to put across that persona of like, oh yeah, I don't give two shits, right, and mm-hmm. it's just like not like not flippantly but i, I I always pretended like I wasn't impacted by the things going on around Mm. me. And I always pretended like I was really self-led and and I am quite self-led compared to a lot of people. But I think the people that really know me know how extremely much I care about the people around me and how I do anything and go out of my way for those people around me. And I do. Um, but there's so few people that know me that well that Mm -hmm. most people kind of look at me and go, oh yeah, he's just a dude who's having fun. He doesn't give me a fuck about it.
0: He's too chill. Yeah. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I gotcha.
1: Yeah. He's just too chill. He doesn't care. But I mean, the reality is if you really, really, really knew me, you would know that like, you know, I like, I, I have no problem admitting that I've, I've cried a lot in my life Mm -hmm. and a lot of it's over stuff that has nothing to do with me. Like I care so much about people around me. Um, and amazing. it makes me, you know, vulnerable to certain things, but it, it also, it's where the reward comes from. Right. When you really, really care about people, that's where so much of the reward of life comes
0: from. Yeah, yeah, And absolutely.
1: so, yeah, if you really knew me, you'd know how much I really care.
0: I love that. I freaking love that, man. I think um, I can totally echo that. And I think I'm a bit earlier in that journey. Um, I've been obviously a personal trainer for, you know, a few years now, but I think, and you even said, well, you know, the reason why people become personal trainers is because they love moving, but perhaps part of it is because they love helping people and that it definitely is a yep. big part of it for me. What is this podcast for? I mean, I love all the gadgets and technology, but at the end of the day, I love sharing people's stories like yours uh, and helping people learn and be better people. And I think, um, the fact that, you know, you really care about people. I think that's amazing that that's a driving force behind who you are.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I think it's really easy. I think most people care more than they care to admit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Frankly, I I think most people do. I think most of us hate confrontation because we hate feeling like we let someone down, Mm -hmm. you know, and we really don't like, the things that really give us anxiety in our life, the vast majority of the time, are relative to other people. Yeah. It's like, what are other people going to think? are like, oh man, I can't believe I you know did this to that person, or just like, oh, that person pissed me off. The vast majority of the big emotions and the big rewards in our life, good and bad, are relative to other people. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just, they try to be self-protective, myself included. Right. try to be really self-protective, because they don't want the downside. They don't want to be hurt by other right. people. They don't want to feel inadequate. They don't want to feel all these things that primarily come from other human beings. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, it's really easy to become self-protective and pretend the world doesn't affect you when it really, really does. And, you know, honestly, I just had to start making decisions around letting other people affect me because I wanted to give people the ability to
0: affect me. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to die and be like,
1: I lived a really cool life, but I don't remember anyone's name. Yeah. Right. Like
0: I <laughs> Cause you're so just, closed just off. didn't want to be right. that guy. Yeah, totally. Right. Like right. I
1: just, I, if, if I want to impact people, I need to let them impact me. I, mm-hmm. My life needs to be about the other people that I interact with.
0: Love it. Now, would you say, and my next question is going to be what in your life is a work in, in progress right now? Would you say that's one of those things?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I could say everything is a work in progress yeah. in my life <laughs> at any a given tough point. Question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, there's very, very few things in my life that I've kind of arrived and feel like, you know, this is how I'm going to be. This is this is how it's going to work the rest of my life. I wish I had those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really, really suck at – okay, so here's, here's an overarching answer now that it's coming at on mouth like this. <laughs> I suck at contentment. Okay. I, I suck at rewarding myself and mm. I don't mean like, oh, I'm gonna buy myself, you know, a pair of shoes as a reward. I suck at feeling like that was awesome. I did a great job. And then just letting that be the period, letting that be the end of the sentence. I really suck at interesting, that. Interesting. Um, and I, I have no problem telling myself I did a good job, but it's usually like, Oh yeah, I think that worked pretty well. But I could have done this better, uh, but I could have done that better. Next time we're gonna do <laughs> this, now I gotta hold the book and read more, now yeah. I gotta do this, now I gotta do that. Right. And even if I did well. I have a really hard time of being content. And even mm. if I've gotten the things that I want, I have a really hard time being content with them. Right. And it's not as if I'm always moving on to something new. I just have a hard time being proud of myself. I have a hard time being stoked with what I've done. Right. Um, and yeah, I think it's just something that's a big part of the process for me is trying to figure out how to, and this is a lot of people having, how do you balance being content with where you're at with the drive to be better?
0: That's true. And right? I was going to use that word drive actually. And, I, and I'm glad that you used it because you are a very driven person from what I know and from just our conversation today. You just, you know, you want to absorb as much knowledge around you. And, you know, there's, there is that push and pull. There's got to be that balance of, all right, I'm good right now. But what kind of things can I continue to learn to continue to expand on my goals, right?
1: Yeah. And, and the funny thing is I've always like, I, I'm, in previous years, I'd say I didn't know that I needed both. I kind of thought I only needed to drive. Um, and I, and I managed to, however it worked out that way, I managed to somehow arrive at a place in my life where I was extremely driven, but also just didn't really like myself very okay. much. And I think that's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're like, I think a lot of people don't like themselves and aren't driven and that's a dangerous
0: place. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think
1: that's, I think that's called depression.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, I have no problem with being driven. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how, but I've always wanted to do cool stuff. I've always wanted to do big things. I've always had this kind of starry-eyed desire to get out and really wrestle with the world. Right. Um, but I found myself constantly framing everything I did as a failure, mm. not beating myself up about it, but being like, Oh, it could have been better. Oh, it could have been this. Oh, right. it could have been that. And I found it was just making me more of an angry person because I felt <laughs> like everything I did and no one in my life was doing this to mm. me. Like my parents have never treated me like that. My wife has never treated me like that. Neither have any of my coaches ever, right. Something I swear I was just born with, which Jeez. annoys the crap out of me. <laughs> but, um, I, I just, I always kind of, thought that the main determinant of my success was going to be how driven I was and Mm. how hard I was willing to work for it. Not realizing that most of my success was going to come from framing everything I did differently. Right. Right. And framing things as a success rather than kind of giving myself this external objective goal of like, Oh, like that's how I'm going to get there. And I'm not going to feel successful until I get there or until I do that thing, whatever that thing is. Um, it started, you know, kind of had to change things to, the, the process being part of the reward and feeling like I'm doing a good job every step of the way right. and feeling like success is going about the process, how I want to go about it rather than success is the goal itself at the end. Love it. right? I love it. And that's, that's something I've, I've, that's a huge process for me gotcha. because I have a really hard time. I literally had a conversation 48 hours ago with my wife about this mm. because I was just like, yeah, I'm having a hard time because I really want to do this, really want to go do that really want to get to this spot. And she just sits there shaking her head at me being like shocker. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause we've been married for 15 years and wow. she looks at me and she just shakes her head now. And she goes, I know you don't even have to tell me. I know there's something <laughs> in your head that you want to do that is extravagantly far beyond what you're capable of right now. You right. don't even have to tell me what it is.
0: Right? <laughs> she knows you pretty well. Right? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fresh and married to really too. Well. So we're 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 uh, not even a year in now. So and of course I said, as, as, as oh, I told you, my uh, yeah, man. thank you. So 15 years down the road, perhaps I'll have another conversation with you, and we'll see where we're at. And uh, if if I'm on the same level as you and your wife in terms of just her knowing you and that on that level.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, she knows me inside and <laughs> out.
0: That's amazing. All right, what are you most proud of right now that people don't know about?
1: Uh, honestly, my wife and daughter. Love it. Um yeah, man. I think there's something, the people that know you the best, I think there's a lot to be said for the people that know you the best Mm -hmm. thinking the world of you. Um, and I think the world of my wife and I think the world of my daughter and there, and she's four and to be entirely honest, I think that they think the world of me and I don't, (laughs) And I, it it makes me really proud. You know, it makes me teary-eyed thinking of that because Mm -hmm. I just go like everything else that we do in the world, um, through our professional careers, through our hobbies, through whatever it is, we have a really, most of us have this accidental intent of trying to control how we're perceived. Mm -hmm. A lot of us try to do almost everything because we want to be perceived a certain way. We want people to think we're successful or athletic or happy or, you know, whatever. We kind of want our desires of ourselves to be perceived as already present in other people's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the people that see through that invariably are just the people that see you every single day. day. They know whether (laughs) or not you're actually successful. They know whether or not you're actually happy. They know whether or not you're actually treating yourself the way you should. They know how you actually talk about other human Mm beings when they're not in the room. Right. And the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that I have an amazing relationship with my wife and daughter and it's, 15 years in with my wife of marriage, two years of dating before that, That's amazing. four years with my daughter. And I feel like I've just got this insanely fun, rewarding, loving relationship with them where I get excited to see them every yeah. single day. That is absolutely um, and That is amazing. by far the thing I'm most proud of.
0: That is so cool to hear. Um, I think that's something that needs to be celebrated more. I mean, everyone has their, you know, whatever ten year or whatever their milestones when they get when they get married or whatever their, you know, anniversaries. But I think just that that fire that is always there, and for you to say fifteen years down the road, um, you're still, you know, just as in love, or just as passionate, or just about, you know, you you know, the feelings are just as strong as as they were, and you know, in the beginning. Um, I think that's even just another lesson for everyone out there is that, um, and like you said before uh, the people who are closest to you are the ones that you should be caring about the most no statue is going to be built uh, right <laughs> by other people yeah, you know so. unless my
1: wife randomly <laughs> becomes a statue builder yeah. <laughs> love it
0: all right i got a couple of easy ones for you we're going to rapid fire through these words sure. i have three big questions that i'm going to ask for you at the end how do you like your eggs yep. Over easy. Over easy. All right. You're the first over easy. I think we have a poached. We have a few sunny sides. All right. Over easy. Love it. Uh, winter, spring, summer, or fall? Winter. Winter. All right. As you said earlier, snowboarding, right? All right. Uh,
1: yeah, no, actually, I like winter <laughs> primarily because everyone else hates it. Oh,
0: <laughs> ah, okay.
1: You're not saying that to be contradictory. Mm. I just feel like you really see who's like who someone is in the winter. When the so When the roads are covered in snow, oh. it's freezing outside, it's Slippery, and everyone's bitching about the weather, that's when you can tell who someone really is. Yeah, yeah,
0: totally, totally. That's so funny. And you know what? Um, especially in Vancouver, because I, I'm not sure, I'm sure you knew, but we had a decent dumping here of snow in the last couple of weeks. And I've got a vehicle yep. that I can get around in the snow. I didn't historically. I've always had something that you couldn't really drive in the snow, but now I do. And I love the winter. So it's completely shifted my my way of thinking in terms of, you know, you know the winter months. Uh, but it's so true. People just change uh, when whenever they're dealing with other or, you know, the the roads or whatever it is. So winter it is, eh? (laughs) I love it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Okay. Uh, Squat, bench, or deadlift?
1: Uh, Deadlift.
0: Gotcha. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to give you no context to this one. You just got to have an answer. Fast. (laughs) Hi there. <laughs>
1: That's was, that was my, that my daughter who just came in. Hey, what's her name? She
0: was trying to be sneaky. Aww. Her name is Sequoia. Sequoia. That's a lovely Hi, name. Sequoia. I see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All, <laughs> All
1: right. right. We're How'd almost
0: done. We got to let dad go. We got to let dad go. All right. So here's a few more. Fast or slow? No context. Slow. Slow. Got it. Sweet or savory? Sweet. Got it. And crunchy or smooth? Mm, Smooth. Smooth. All right. You're in the majority, man. (laughs) And that includes me. (laughs) I love it. All right. So before we get to our three final questions, um, how can people find you or get in touch with you? I'm sure there's going to be some people that have questions or just want to learn a little bit more. How can people find you?
1: Well, unfortunately, I've got the most boring first world white guy name on the planet, Ben Stevens. (laughs) So Googling me me is not that easy. Yeah. It's like, oh, Ben Stevens. There can't be any of those on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: well, my name anyway, is Kevin Green. Um, it's yeah. about as common as Ben Stevens, so
1: <laughs> uh, yeah that's true. It's up there uh, too. <laughs> yeah, so it, honestly uh, just benjaminjstevens.com is probably the easiest way to find me. Gotcha. Uh, and Benjamin initial, middle initial is J and then Stevens Benjamin Uh People are welcome to reach out on you know Facebook. Uh, Instagram is Dr. Benjamin J. Stevens with a period in between all of those. Okay. Um, Dr. Um yeah that's probably the easiest I have Perfect. a company called Somatic Senses Education uh, that I teach through um, yeah or you can just literally walk in the front door at Kinetic Evolution anytime I'm working up here in Kelowna
0: beauty so what I'm going to do is all of those links or all of those uh, ways of getting a hold of you I'm going to put it all in the show notes so people don't have to remember how you spell it I'll put it all down in the show notes Perfect. so everyone can just click on the links alright all right so three final questions for you man i'm gonna let you go if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds right now on this podcast what would you say
1: (laughs) oh god i thought about that one for a long time i honestly (laughs) i don't have i I don't have a really good it sounds like a it's gonna sound like a really corny corny answer but um i always i always really like the the nike slogan to just do it i love it i i i I can't get over the amount of people over and over again in my life who have told me, I've always wanted to do that, but never pulled the trigger. Um, so as an example to that, I, I just starting this group called the uh, OSMPG, the Okanagan sports medicine and performance Group up here, which is just a gathering of some of my best friends, and smartest people I know and their colleagues in the world of sports medicine and performance. Um, I literally started this whole thing, um, invited a whole bunch of people. We're going to get a huge group together up here in Kelowna. And I like—I kid you not—ten people that I invited go like, "Oh man, I've been meaning to do that for so long. No way. That's such a good idea. I just never got around to it, That's
2: right?" Cool.
1: And part of me, like, invariably, everything I do in my life, when I tell someone about it or invite someone to it, they go, oh, "I've been meaning to do that." And part of me is like, "Just why do didn't it, you? like, <laughs> yeah. why? Why not, dude? Yeah. Like, I've got five jobs and a family, right? right? Like, there's no reason you couldn't do it." And so it's, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I one of the messages I. I cannot get across to enough people is like whatever you're thinking of doing, whatever the most extravagant thing is you got inside you, we need it. So just do it. Mm
0: -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And I, and I and 100% agree with you. And it can be as cliche as can be. But I think it's something that we need to kind of really, really think about. And uh, our inhibitions allow us to dictate or allow, you know, we allow the, our inhibitions to dictate how we move on with our lives. And I think the notion of just doing it, um, and just going for something and you know, so what if you fail, right? Uh, you figure it out as you go along, but just yep. try. Love it. Okay. Yep. So if someone could ask you one question that you wish you could be asked, what would that question be?
1: Mm, uh, I don't know. I I feel like I've got a punt on this question because gotcha. I, really, I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I find a way to answer questions that other people ask me in a way that I pretend they didn't even ask that question. So, <laughs> got it. I got <laughs> A lot of the time people ask me a question and I go, so I'm going to answer a question that I have in my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What <laughs> uh no and these are tough redirecting conversations way I honestly I, I don't know I, would, I honestly just wish people would ask the questions that they really want
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: right and um, that's why a lot I of people, you. they beat a, <laughs> they beat around the bush and yeah, right? like people yeah. people are afraid of intimacy and people are afraid mm-hmm. of genuine answers and people are afraid of answers that they don't want to know right right and you know, it, it's not a specific answer it's just going to be personal specific it's like ask the question ask the question you really want the answer to mm-hmm. not a question that's going to give you an indication of the answer. That's right. the one
0: you really want to know. Right. Get to the point, right?
1: Love it. Yeah,
0: I love it. Okay, so before I ask you the final question, I just want to acknowledge you, uh, Dr. Benjamin Stevens, for coming on, first of all, and speaking with me. Um, There was so much information, even for me, um, some of it was a little bit over my head, obviously. uh, This is something that you do and you're so passionate about, and I can tell that um, this is uh, something that you love doing and that you'll continue to do, and I really hope that uh, we can, you know, whether work again in the future, work together again in the future, or I can pick your brain again because, you have just this immense amount of knowledge that um, I, I can only hope to uh, have a fraction of as I continue on this journey. And I think my listeners will really appreciate um, the fact that you were able to share um, your knowledge today. So thank you for being here.
1: You're very welcome, sir. Thanks you for having me. Man.
0: All right. Here, here's your last question. Uh, what is your definition of living your best and fittest life?
1: It's gonna be person-specific, man. I mean, yeah. uh, to some people, it's gonna mean deadlifting 500 pounds or mm-hmm. 600 pounds or 800 pounds. To, to other people, it's gonna mean picking up their grandkids. Right. Um, and so, you know, again, I'm probably gonna give a it, it depends kind of answer, yeah. but my, 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 personal, my personal version yeah. of that is I wanna be able to wake up every morning excited for what I'm about to do and physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually capable of doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's exactly what we were asking for. (laughs) That's awesome, man. Okay, Dr. Benjamin Stevens, thank you so much for being here.
1: It's not a problem, sir. Take care. All
0: right, right, guys. That is my interview with Dr. Benjamin Stevens. I got to be honest. There were so many instances where I felt like the subject matter was over my head in some ways. And uh, even with the questions, I felt like I was asking questions perhaps a third grader would be asking. Uh, But that is exactly why I wanted to have Dr. Stevens on to talk me through it. He is so incredibly knowledgeable on all things related to the body, whether it be anatomy or movement. And it was just so awesome to learn so much from him during our conversation. Honestly, I could have uh, kept talking to him for another two hours and uh, asked him so much more. He's just so passionate about what he does and I would love to pick his brain again one of these days. Uh, I want to thank you again Dr. Stevens for sharing your immense wealth of knowledge with us and hopefully was able to answer the question for you guys. So this foam rolling and using vibration therapy, kin tape, all of that. Do they help us perform physical activity better? What do you think? Are you going to continue to use these tools as part of your warm-up or cool-down routine? Let me know. All right, Fit United fam, this is my fun and unique way of serving you guys that doesn't require you to be sitting at your phone, scrolling up and down mindlessly. You can listen on the go while you're commuting or during your workout, walking the dog, washing your dishes, whatever. I love communicating and being able to talk and listen to you guys, and that's what gets me fired up every day. So with that in mind, if you have any topic suggestions for the podcast or have any questions or comments, please send me a message on facebook.com forward slash fitunited.show on Instagram at kevingreen.fitness or at fitunited.show or on our website, guys, fitunited.show. You can now listen to the podcast directly on the site, guys. How awesome is that? Also, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and please leave me a rating and review. This is how i know i'm bringing value to you guys and how i can continue to do so and serving you in the best way that i can if you found this helpful or insightful and if you learned something from dr stevens in this episode or you know somebody who would appreciate hearing my conversation with him please share it i believe sharing these lessons we learned from one another is the best way to always be improving one day at a time lastly guys please join the fit united podcast vip my goal for creating the vip group is to connect all of us together on a deeper level all you have to do is text fitness to 69922 and you and i will be able to connect by text As part of this VIP community, I'll give you access to exclusive content reserved just for you in the VIP. So as content rolls out, you'll know about it first and be able to enter giveaways and things like that before anybody else. Don't worry, guys. I promise to keep the text a minimum, just enough for you and I to stay connected. All right. Kevin here signing out. I will see you all on the next one.